I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and a woman is on this earth to catch balls. Interesting theory. Too bad I don't have a daughter. I'd like to impart that to her. And I'm Av Sinemsky, and Alex, doing this podcast with you is like being in a relationship with a great guy who happens to have a vagina and knows the statistics of what Roy, of what Roy White hit in 1971. That I do. We'll get to that later. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We're here today to discuss Season 8, Episode 7, The Bisexual, uh, with a hyphen, not exactly sure why, which originally aired on August 21st, 2011. Um, I was wearing of, I was in uh, Detroit, suburban Detroit, uh, Saturday, maybe Sunday, mm-hmm. I don't know, someday recently. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing my uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good shirt. And so oh, a guy, nice. a guy says to me, what's that from? That's from a TV show, right? So <laughs> you I said, said, no, it's from a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, Kirby enthusiasm. He's like, right, right. He said, um, I work for this organization. We brought JB Smoove um as a um as our like guest um as our whatever entertainment for our annual dinner okay. i wasn't a big fan oh, like, oh i'm sorry to hear that. why not it's like well he was a little bit dirty i'm like oh, yeah. i mean he's like jb smooth like what were you expecting I'm like this is like the kosher comedy hour so um yeah i don't know what that guy yeah. was expecting but it sounds like jb smooth did a great job um yeah i think he was very funny um he had all the right spots yeah um that's that's what i've heard about this uh this event um yeah i mean i would love if we if i got jb smooth for my event um especially if that event involved this podcast i think that would go really well i would really love to have him around for that Mm, okay maybe um all right but yeah we're here today to talk about uh bisexuals um or one bisexual um i do i do have some uh i do have some notes from the news Hmm. Uh, a new a new uh a new recurring segment i think i think uh well my my, mine was a note from the news my personal news but yeah right um my theory is that word that there's a ramp up of notes from the news because of my first note from the news is that uh hbo announced that there will be a new season of career enthusiasm ah it's officially uh, been announced yes airing uh in october um uh, I believe my uh, my sources tell me um, that October 24th is the date to circle on your calendar. Um, I have no knowledge whether or not my sources are correct because I've never relied on them for anything before. But <laughs> uh, we'll see. I guess this will be the first test. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at a uh, late October start date. And I guess it's a, as good a time as any to uh, officially announce, I think, that we will, in fact, be covering the new season of Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm, yes, we will. Correct. Um, I think we've, we've possibly alluded to that. Um, I don't know if it was considered a, uh, this was like a big question out on the streets. Is, uh, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good going to continue in their chronological order? Or are they going to cover the new season? What are they going to do? How is this going to work? Um, so what I think the plan is, is that we are going to finish uh, season eight around September 13th, that, that week. Uh, which I believe is the week of Yom Kippur. So, you know, circle two dates on your calendar. That week. <laughs> um, 
And then I, so it looks like there's going to be about five or six weeks uh, before the new season starts. Um, so some person might say like, oh, what you should do is you should do uh, all of season nine and you'll do like two a week and, and then you'll, uh, you'll hit that off that season. I think that's not realistic. Yeah, we're um, not doing that. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Um, so I think we're just going to like try as best as we can to fill, uh, fill the weekly calendar if we can. You know, we're not guaranteeing a podcast every week in the interim period, but we'll try our best. Uh, yeah, various... We have a couple of guests, a couple ideas lined up already. We have, we have ideas. Um, we have potential other ideas. There's enough to do if we really wanted to, but you know, we probably want to only do ideas that are fun. Um, so, but really, yeah, we put out an appeal last week. It was kind of like ham fist at the end, but like, seriously, if you have any suggestions for an idea, something that we can do as a bonus podcast, to kind of stem that tide. We need about five or six episodes to cover between seasons eight and season 10. And then eventually we'll then return 11. to, sorry. All right. Season 11. Yeah, 8, 11, right. 9, 10. 8, 11, 9, 10. That's going to yeah. be the uh, official, pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, machete order of Kirby enthusiasm going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to pretend that like the things in nine and 10 didn't happen to these characters? Like we should work on that. Okay. We have to figure out how. Yeah. We're gonna... I, I will rewatch full seasons nine and 10 during those intervening six weeks as well. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. Um, so yeah. So we have a couple ideas. If you have ideas, send them into us. We, we're not definitely going to do your idea if you send it in, but you know, we'll, we'll read it and discuss it. We'll definitely uh, read it. Yeah. We'll definitely read it. Yeah. Um, we probably won't do it. We're probably not going to do all of them, but like, if it's good, we'll do it. Ah, we'll probably do it. If you send it in, it's decent. We'll probably do it. Like, we don't have such good ideas. Um, so, yeah, like, you tell us you should watch this thing. In a couple of cases, we have a guest, but not the idea yet. So if you can uh, give us an idea that can work for a guest, that might work. Oh, that's true. We, we might, I mean, we might need to say who the guest is, but yeah, we don't need to. No, no, I don't, I don't want to. I, I, send I, in for every guest you could think of. And yes. It happens to be that we get for the one. It and might it's a good idea. Perfectly. Yeah, then yeah. it might work perfectly. Yeah. Right. If you guess the guest, but you send in a bad idea, then useless no good yeah well you got half uh, yeah um so yeah send us bonus episode ideas and um maybe we'll end up using one of them because mm. we need some ideas all right let's uh jump right into the bisexual as oh, no, Larry have, and oh sorry more a, more I, news news and i have a lot more notes for, i have a lot more notes for me a lot more notes oh wow. Not a lot more three more um there was an incident did you hear about the incident in uh, martha's vineyard Oh, between Larry and Alan Dershowitz? Larry and Alan Dershowitz got into a good yeah. fight. Now, I was originally shared the New York Post version of it, which was obviously the very Alan, uh, pro-Alan Dershowitz side, which is, it's hard to be pro-Alan Dershowitz in this interaction, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean... But, but, but the, the New York I'm Post reading, tried really, really hard. Yeah, well, I'm reading the... I have the page six in front of me. Um, but Isn't yeah, the it same sounds one? like... Where it's, yeah, it's, it's all an interview with Dershowitz, and Dershowitz says David yes. was going to have a heart attack, and yeah. Right. Yeah, it's all based on an interview with Alan Dershowitz. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I've seen Larry David's side of the story. So yeah. Now, um, uh, so I saw another version on on other blogs that was a little bit different. Um, but maybe it was based on this. I don't know. Uh, look, Alan Dershowitz was a guy who once upon a time I really liked and respected, but you know he's uh he's aged poorly. Let's say he has aged poorly. Yeah. Um, and not just because he was on Epstein's plane. No, no. I mean, no, just. Him and, Rudy, him and Rudy Giuliani. We don't even really care about people, Epstein's plan. Do whatever you want at Epstein's plan. Who Still work for Trump. Them to, uh, to uh, you know, take them out back and uh, old yeller them. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, I got two more things. Uh, one is not that exciting, but um, I've been... Uh, oh, well, just for people... Wait, I think we should reference the news. So basically, Alan Dershowitz and Larry oh, yeah. David ran into each other in a grocery store in Martha's Vineyard. And Alan said, you know, Larry, we can still be friends. And Larry said, uh, no, you're a Trump idiot and go fuck yourself. Uh, yeah, that's the gist of it. Yeah, and like he he didn't, he didn't like that he was like he uh, he was nice to Mike, Mike Pompeo, and he's like, well, he was one of my students. But yeah, but he's Mike Pompeo. You don't have to be nice to yeah. him. Yeah. 
but it wasn't because he was a student, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I have been uh, keeping up with the uh, most recent season of The Good Fight mm-hmm. on uh, CBS All Access or whatever it's called, Paramount Plus, these days, whatever they, yeah. they change the name. Um, I'm a big fan of The Good Fight in general. Um, I recommend it wholeheartedly. Uh, in particular, there is a uh, there's a character this season being played by Mandy Patinkin, which is just like a next level crazy character that I'm getting uh, a lot of enjoyment out of. I'm surprised Mandy never came on Curb. Uh, yeah, yeah, he would be, uh, he would have fit in very nicely. Um, yeah, we should, uh, we should make that happen. Mm. Um, so anyway, the reason why I bring it up is that there is a new uh, recurring guest character on the show played by one Wanda Sykes. So, um, uh, yes, that was very exciting this. to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then my last nose news, news, nose from the news, uh, my last news, uh, note is, um, on, one of the shows this week, um, was it Kimmel or this guy, Fallon? Um, he had a, are you familiar with the, there's a rapper, his name is Common. Yes. I believe he once uh, rapped at the White House and it was a big hmm. uh, controversy. Um, I have a first cousin who I may have told you some stories about. If not, I can tell you some offline who I, I was, I walked by, I was walking on the Upper East Side one day a few years ago and I ran into mm-hmm. this cousin of mine randomly. And he says, I said, oh, what are you doing here? He says, oh, I own this house. And he pointed to a house right next door. And he said, Common is inside. Would you what? like to meet him? And I said, why is Common inside? And he said, well, you know, he was the entertainment for an event I hosted last night. And he decided to spend the night. And this cousin of mine has, um, let's say, uh, you know, he's been a, he's been a he's been a guest of, of the federal government in the past. So let's uh-huh. just say that he's uh, uh, n- n- not always uh, telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And so I passed on it. And then as I walked away, I realized what a moron I am. Obviously, I should have got in there because either Common's actually there and it's a hard thing to claim. And then I go in like it's not like a lie that you can like, you know, fact check a month later. Like I will know within 30 seconds if you're lying or not. And so either he's not lying, in which case it's an interesting story or I've like impeached the witness wonderfully and I can go tell my family like confirmation of. So like I don't understand why I did go in the house, but I did not go in the house. And it was like incredibly stupid of me. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I wouldn't really like if oh, common is in that house. I would have said okay, like I wouldn't really care. Um, it's it's not it's not that I'm the world's biggest common fan. I mean, I'm I'm no, fine, yeah, man. but yeah, I mean, just yeah. you know, it was it was it was again, it was I would instantly have gotten a cool confirmation or um, this guy's you know just pathological. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I don't think I would have anything to say to common. Oh. He's not that I would guy. say, I mean, from like the, yeah. you know, I've heard no, I just podcast. don't, I, I just, I don't, I don't know anything about him. Oh, okay. Songs. Um, I know he was very controversially at the White House. Uh, it was a big scandal that I recall. Um, what was the scandal? Do you remember what was so, remember what was so controversial? Oh, like Fox News was mad that like an African American president had an African American musical artist? Yeah, no, yes. Because the president was black. That's what Okay, I got it. Okay, got it. Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure what you referred to there. I'm like, was there a controversy? Like, there's no way he performed for Trump. It's. No, there was no controversy. Yeah. It was very controversial, though. Um, so, I mean, not as bad as a tan suit, but pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. Um, so, yeah, so he was on uh, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon this past week, and they had him do some raps to the tunes of famous uh, theme songs. Oh. And he did one for Super Mario Brothers. Oh, are we about to hear the uh, Curb one? And then he did one for Kirby Enthusiasm. And here oh, it is. I'm very excited. For this, for this next one, this next challenge is a new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm coming out this year. 
So your next song, your Heck next challenge boss. is the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. I want to go there, man. All right, let's try it. Say. Come on, let's try it. Let's hear it. Come on. It's a Larry David, same extravaganza. He's the OG, and G stands for George Costanza with Cheryl Jeff and Susie and Leon Black. And if he wants to cancel lunch, he'll wear a MAGA hat. He'll give your doll a haircut, cause he don't know no shame. He'll even hire a prostitute to use the carpool lane. Won't respect nobody, but he respects wood. And he's feeling pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty good, huh? Yeah, some solid uh, curb knowledge from coming there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think that he probably knew ahead of time that he has to do the curb enthusiasm. That's my oh, theory. Yeah. On that clip. <laughs> no, I think that was for the moment and very yeah. impressive, no less. Yeah. Should we? Um, should we make that the uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good theme song <laughs> for our podcast? Because it ends with pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's yeah, that's bad. not bad actually. Yeah. Maybe we should yeah. have comment on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, should we come? If my so, cousin can get him in his house somehow spending the night. Meet your cousin. Maybe Common will write a like a version of the song that's like similar, but like uses like jokes from our podcast instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still ends with a pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, and if anyone want, out there wants to do that, I have no talent in this uh, regard, so <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Otherwise, we could just use that. Uh, mm-hmm. But if somebody wants to make it better, make it better, and we'll use that. Okay, yeah, that's all I got. Those are all my uh, notes for the news. You got anything else before we? Uh, I have no notes started? for the news. No, no notes for the news. Any just like anecdotes or anything you want to share? Well, I shared my anecdote already about the the guy complaining any, about Jamie Smoove. Any additional anecdotes? Are you hinting at something? Am I supposed to be sharing something? No, I just want to know if we should start the episode. Oh, or no, let's yeah, let's dive in. All right, season eight, episode seven, the bisexual. And we're at an art gallery, and he's talking to a woman who we later learned is named Jane, and he's joking about how easy it is to get her number, and you know she's writing it down for him, and she says, "Yeah, we're easy in New York." And Larry's just like, "This is unbelievable. We should go for dinner tomorrow night." Yeah, so this is uh, Jane, uh, of course, played by Amy Landecker. Um, I know her, I think, most for playing uh, Sarah Pfefferman on Transparent. She also played uh, a couple of characters on Louis. She played Louis's mom, and, and then another time she played Louis's girlfriend, which is weird. Um, yeah, she is uh, in real life. She's married to Brett. You don't remember what? I don't remember her playing Louis's mom. Yeah, the flashback. Like, um, oh, okay, fine. All right, that's yeah. Like when Louis's like a kid. Yeah, it's still a little weird. Mom. But yeah, yeah. And then he plays like the girl who he like goes to. Some restaurant with and like some like teenager like threatens to kick his ass. Oh, this b- vaguely brings back. Yeah, memory. and then she's yeah. like completely turned off by him, even though like she's like, I agree, like you should not have like fought that kid, but like him like emasculating you makes me not into you anymore. Yeah, so like sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, in real life, um, she's married to Bradley Whitford. I think I said that, and That's she cool. she previously dated Larry David. Oh wow. Yeah. She. Um, so this, this is art imitating life. Uh, to an extent, yeah. Um, yeah, so apparently they started dating while she was still married to her husband, um, journalist Jackson Lynch. 
Mm. Um, he put out a statement, so, you know, said the, the ex-husband put out a statement saying, if you want more details about the relationship, you should reach out to Larry David. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, Larry claimed that's not the case. And he, re- he's, he responded, for what it's worth, the only marriage I've ever broken up is my own. <laughs> this is all this is all before she comes on the show i assume uh yes okay all right yes yes all i right. believe they were dating at the time that this uh was filmed oh okay interesting i believe i'm not i didn't i didn't uh do that much research into the timelines but i believe that they were dating an item at the time um so yeah so larry uh says let's go eat she loves to eat larry assures her you know you're not gonna have to worry about choking because i'm really great at the heimlich maneuver and jane is like that's you know even more of a reason to give you my number and go out with you that's such an impressive skill i'm like super impressed by you um and larry's like hey just like you know just so i know like are you like leaving right away like you should really get out of here because like we don't want to have like another bump in they don't have to have an awkward conversation um, you know, you leave, I'll linger a little bit longer, and then you know, that way we'll still have something to talk about tomorrow at dinner. Yeah. Why does he get to kick her out? Um, yeah, I, I wondered that. I also wondered what Larry is doing at this like MoMA art gallery to begin with. Yeah, we need to see some reason that he's there, and we know we never really see it. Like he runs into it. Rosie, but yeah, but who is he there with? Well, well, how does he get there in the first place? Yeah, it doesn't seem like the type of place that he would go voluntarily. Yeah, maybe maybe he really enjoyed the uh, three and a half hour Ricky Gervais play, and he's starting to uh, you know develop an interest in the fine arts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I, I have this uh, concept a lot of times. Like um, I'll be like see someone in shul or like at the kiddish, but like they're coming to me for lunch, and I'm like, wait, we shouldn't talk. Like we need to save stuff to talk about at lunch. We're about to be like together for like four hours. Well, it all it depends. Yeah, it depends who the person is. If it's a person who right. you're, yeah, it's your, if it's your yeah. best friend, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I, I do know what you're talking about where you, you have to, you have to like reserve. You don't want to waste the conversation because you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot of time that you're going to have to come up. You need like your anecdotes. Got to save. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have like four yeah. things that happened to you since the last time you saw this yeah. guy six months ago. Mm. Um, right. Well, I, made, I made reference to something about some neighbor of mine recently on a podcast. Yeah. And someone uh, said to me, were you talking about me? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, said, of, so course not. of course not. No, he was the one. He was the one where you liked the both. Oh, um, was did I say there's one? There's more than one. I think you said, but we, we yeah we suggested that maybe there's more than one. <laughs> You're all that one, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting in trouble here. Yes, let's continue. Yeah, um, let's get you so in trouble. Yeah, I'm uh, impervious to trouble. Hmm. Impervious. All right, so there Larry is. He has uh, a great opportunity for a date all lined up. Yeah, um, so he goes over to talk to Rosie, and you know they're really happy to see each other. Uh, we last saw Rosie in Denise Handicapped. Yeah, that was, was our, her last was, appearance. She was chasing him up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, so apparently they've made up since then. Is what we we see here. They um, seem to have a real love hate relationship. Yeah, but so I mean, at least Rosie, there's a little bit of love, unlike with Ricky Gervais. Yeah, there definitely is some love. She's definitely fond yeah. of Larry, mm. um, and she wants to know, you know, oh, are you really enjoying this art? um and larry's like forget the art i met the most fantastic woman uh she's amazing and rosie's like that's so crazy so did i um i you know we we both met someone what are the odds and they both you know going on and on gushing about how amazing this person is you know rosie felt the connection right away 
Larry can't believe it. You know, Rosie talk, does this whole uh, spiel about how uh, lesbians bring you all on the second date because they're just getting ready to move in, bring the kids. You know, the kids are probably going to get along with her. Like she, Rosie's like jumping way ahead here. She like thinks yeah. she's uh, met the world's greatest woman. Um, Larry's going on and on about how smitten he is. Um, like she smiled at me like an old bold man, no less. And um, Rosie, you know, says how her person is so vivacious. Turns out Larry's is as well. Mm. And Larry says how uh, his uh, woman that he met has a great body. And so does Rosie's. Yeah, it's a little bit crazy Joe Duvall ish here, right? Yeah. Um, so Larry, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Larry tells Rosie she's Jewish because uh, she recognized the name. And Larry's like, yeah, like, like, for example, if her name was Cohen, you know, she's Jewish. Um, and Rosie's like, Cohen. And Larry's like, yeah, Jane Cohen. And they both pull out their numbers, and it's the same number, guys. Mm. They both met Jane Cohen. She's uh, two-timing them. Well, I mean, she hasn't done anything wrong. No, of course not. I'm, yeah. I, I don't. I don't mean literally. Just yeah, like, yeah. She's, you know, she got two numbers. She got two numbers of two very wealthy celebrities on one. <laughs> yeah, night. good for her. Yeah, she's the that. winner here. Yeah. Um, so um, she's like, wait, how, like, how did you get her number? And Larry's like, like, what do you mean? Like, is like you're being dismissive. Um, and she's like, I guess they're, I guess they're bisexual. I guess she's a bisexual. Which is like, they're both very unhappy about this. They both yeah. say like they hate bisexuals. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rosie thinks that people should just like pick a side. Uh, Larry's like, I don't understand. They have to have sex with everyone. I mean, I think uh, they have the right, the right attitude, honestly. Yeah, bisexual is a good deal. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's win-win. Yeah, it's like everyone is an option. Yeah, not being attracted to men cuts you off from half of society. It's no good. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like when Rosie says, I'm going to be annihilated by you in the love department, Larry David. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, Larry's like, you know, you should really back off. Because yeah. I know, like, she says she's bisexual, but like, I know these broads, I know how they are. When they say they're bisexual, it just means they're gay. Um, which is, I admittedly, is probably true for many people, like at a stage. Like, I bet there's a certain stage where a lot of people sure, are like, yeah, but also, yeah, this is not a woman who's like 22 and experimenting in college, she's like a fully adult woman at this point. She seems like, yeah, she's made up her mind, right? Right, and also, like, the, the young woman who's like experimenting with women and like trying to figure it out isn't also like, oh, and I'll also sleep with Larry David. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's never a wrong time to sleep with Larry David. Apparently, we learned from this episode. He's quite a performer. True. Well, I, uh, there's only one time to be with Larry David. That's when he's yeah. juicing. When he's juicing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because juicing usually makes your uh, your ball smaller. Here it's, uh, I yeah. guess, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it yeah, makes we'll, it bigger. But, we'll we'll yeah. get into that, yeah. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um, so, uh, right, if first... you want discussion of male genitalia, it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so in our, in our first of many uh, baseball metaphors in this episode, Larry explains how in baseball, the tie goes to the runner. So here, ties goes to the yeah. hetero. That makes no make sense, sense whatsoever. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what he's going for there. Uh, Rose is like, no. If anything, I would say tie goes to, to the homo, not the hetero. But I don't think that there's really any logic here. Yeah, I don't think the tie should go to either in this picture. It's a tie to tie. You have to have some sort of other There's tie no there. tie. Jane gets to make the choice. Like, why are they deciding for her? <laughs> Well, no, but meaning they they could reasonably decide amongst themselves that like it's not you know we shouldn't both go after the same person. 
and let's you know one of us will go and one of us will i take think if you're best off. friends yes you, if you're best friends you don't compete over the same person but when you have the relationship that that rosie and larry have where they see each other every you know a couple of years and smile and hug each other i feel like it's okay for them to have a little friendly competition here i guess yeah i mean i'm, I'm not against it but you know yeah. if they decide they don't want to do that i think that's also yeah. fair um so yeah so Tells Rosie, so Rosie says there's no tie that she hit her base first, which oh. uh, I guess is true. She was early. And by the way, there is no tie goes to the runner. There's always somebody who's there first. Tie goes to the runner is just the thing you say as kids because you don't have like instant replay and slow motion. Right. I guess now there's really no such thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there definitely is on the play. I mean, I guess it still could happen, but it's it would be it'd be really hard. It's yeah. super duper slow though. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So but Rosie what I'm saying is, tie doesn't go to the runner because by definition. If the bat, if, if your foot is on the base, it's not a tie. You're safe, right? Your foot's either on the base or not on the base. Well, what if it hits the base at exactly the same time that the first baseman catches the ball? Yeah, you're safe because it hit like because your foot's on the base. It's not that it's a tie. It's but that in the moment in time that the ball hits the bat, the ball hits the glove. Your foot is on the is on the plate. But what if? But okay. I guess what uh, we're saying is I don't, okay, don't want to go down this okay, road. So what I'm saying is <laughs> the foul pole is in, right? The foul pole is fair. Yes. So we don't say tie goes fair. We say like the foul pole is part of fair. So you're like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. Is it though? I don't think it is. No, I'm all confused. Um, I mean, you might be, you might be technically right the way the written rule is written. I have no idea. I, um, but I mean, theoretically, they could arrive at the exact same time. Sure. But that means that in the moment in time that the ball arrives, the foot is there. Therefore, you're safe. Whether your foot has been there for zero seconds or 5,000 milliseconds or a year, your foot is there. But is this like, you're telling me that's the rule of baseball or this is like your opinion? Well, I mean, it's clearly the rule of baseball, right? Is it clearly the rule of baseball or is the rule of baseball that tie goes to the runner by rule? Not because you're there. We're just saying as a tiebreaker, the runner gets it. So I'm actually Googling it and I just Googled the tie goes to the runner. Actually, actual rule. Does the tie go to the runner? The tie does not go to the runner. Okay. According to veteran umpire and umpire association trainer, there is no rule in any of the rule books that are used for baseball, whether it's MLB or college or high school or little league that specifically says the tie goes to the runner. All right, hold on. Let me go to the Wikipedia page. Okay. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. He said yeah. the rule, the rule is yes. After a third strike or after he hits a fair ball, but, 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 first base is tagged before he touches first base. So if it happens at the same time, the implication yeah, is not, safe. Yes. So I guess it is kind of what you're yeah. saying. You were it's, just yeah, saying either the runner beats the ball or just not. Yeah. Right. So it's the runner, right? So the, 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 the fielders have to beat the runner. Otherwise, he's safe. Yeah. But, but then there's actually this quote from this umpire that actually argues, if anything, the tie. He says, if even a physicist couldn't make an argument one way or the other from watching instant replay, the runner would be out. So this seems to imply the opposite. This seems to imply tie goes to the fielder. Although again, it, it's got nothing. Oh, so this umpire is saying the opposite. He's saying yeah. the rule is you have to get there before the ball. Yeah, but they, he's sort of undercutting the rest of the article. So it's a weird quote. Bad job by Wikipedia. Bad job, anonymous editors. All right. All right. Uh, so anyways. All right, so but the point is Larry Davis wrong here. And there's no tie because Susie clearly saw her first, right? Susie, her name is Rosie. I mean, yeah, sorry. Rosie <laughs> saw Jane before Larry saw Jane. Right. She got the he got she got the number first. Yeah. Before Larry. Mm. 
I guess that's why Larry's trying to make this uh, because he's uh, really yeah. So yeah. whatever they they uh, they agree to compete for it. You know, yeah. may the best uh, guy or gal win. Hmm. It is funny though how Rosie desperately wants a Jewish girl. Also, listen, we make yeah. the best husbands. Everybody says so. Yeah, we make the best people. Yeah. Um, okay, we are now going to uh, pull our first clip of the episode hmm. as we had um, to see Larry walking on the street. He's going to run into a friend. Oh, look who's in the motherfucking house. We are in the motherfucking house. You drove the car? <laughs> look what you did to the car. <laughs> Ass car. This shit got some fucking heart to it. Why didn't you fly? I don't fly, baby. You gotta have a photo ID for that. You know what I'm saying? Fuck that. I, I don't know how this you can give a car back to somebody in this condition. <laughs> this motherfucker got some room to it, too. I got eight motherfuckers up in this car. Yeah, what? I thought it held only four people. Well, what did you do? You picked there? up hitchhikers? Did you make a seat back there? Yeah, hell yeah. Come on, man. Let me see your place, man. What are you, do? what are you doing here anyway? I just had to get out of that fucking house, man. The roommate was driving me crazy and shit. Who? The roommate all in my shit, man. Roommate. My business. Let me see the place. What, what roommate? What are you talking about? Roommate at the house. At the house. What? In California. Uh, excited <laughs> to see Leo there. Yeah, it's great. He really yeah. just like pumps so much energy into the episode. Like yeah. he's just he's such a delight to have on your screen. Yeah, but he doesn't fly. Gotta have a photo ID. <laughs> he photo yeah. ID for that. I'm scared to have that. Yeah. Um, Leo yeah, probably can't very... vote in a lot of southern states now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like he has like the two bitches in Larry's bed. Now he's got yeah. eight people in Larry's car. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah, someone, as like, someone who just drove about, you know, I don't even know how many miles, but let's say, well, I do know about 1300 miles, something like that with um, with, with five motherfuckers in the car with me. I can't even imagine uh, fitting two more in there in a tinier car, but um, and going twice as far also. Yeah, I love I, the best part is how you just like very casually at the end. The roommate? Him that just have misunderstanding with his roommates. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, roommates? Yeah. what are you talking about? Have you ever driven <laughs> um, across like through the mountains? Um, like from like from California to um, you know east of California, I have driven from New York to Las Vegas. Oh, so but so oh, you you drove all the way straight from New York to Las Vegas? No, the, well, I, I mean I know I know not like in one. No, stop, I mean but. we we went like basically straight until like Chicago, then we went up to uh, South Dakota. What I say, but you were in a car the whole time. In a car the whole time, then okay. all the way down through. Denver to uh, the Four Corners, wherever the hell that is. Yeah, so you go, so you place. went through the mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's it's quite a drive. Colorado, Western Colorado is unbelievable. Yes, that was about my favorite drive that I've ever been on. It was just yes. like, you like it's like literally like you're driving in a painting. There's like a river flowing to your left, and there's like red mountains in front of you. And yes, you're just like on these very like, twisty beautiful. roads. It's yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. America is very beautiful, like outside of cities. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure uh, why Leon did drive the whole way and who he picked up. I, I would like to have like a whole like breakaway series just about Leon's road trip across America. Yeah, that could be like a lot. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. to cover there. Yeah, the roommate. I want I want to basically let's make a spinoff <laughs> show that follows Leon at all times. Let's have That's two true. simultaneous shows, one about Leon, one about Larry, and then they can intersect from time to time. All right. Um, and I, I, I haven't consulted you yet, but. We'll podcast about this show if they make it, right? Sure. Yes. Okay. If, if, so if HBO has a show uh, all about Leon. We will podcast about it. No, no. It, we haven't committed to that. If they make a show about Leon during the interregnum period oh. of uh, the LA and New York, oh, mm. or we're committing to any Leon show. 
Uh, I feel like any, yes. A- any show that's a direct spinoff of Curb, we will, we will commit to. Okay, that's fair. Um, okay, so we're going to head upstairs, and you uh, you had asked several times uh, whether or not Larry was actually... Oh, it is Randy Harlan's... Yeah, it's Randy Harlan's place. Harlan's place. And this, yes. Well, we'll get into it. Um, they do say it is Randy Harlan's place. Uh, it seems to be located in a different place yes. than where Tesla said... We were promised Columbus Circle. By, by uh, yeah, so he was yeah. supposed to be yeah, 66 on Broadway. I would say uh, Lincoln Square is what I would say. Yes. Um, and instead, we're on the east side, um, like 55th and uh, Park Avenue or 2nd Avenue. I think that actual building where the external shot is, I think that's downtown in like the 20s. Oh, maybe. But I could I, be wrong. According to what I looked up, this uh, the apartment is at Milan Condominium at 300 East 55th Street. Is that the inside or the outside? I, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, but I, I just love I love JB Smooth coming in the into the apartment. You got to tell people you're here sometimes. I love yeah, it. I love got, yeah. All right. Let's uh, we have we have a clip for that. too. So ah. we're just gonna, yeah, with uh, the clips are like very uh, staggered. This episode, we have like three scenes in a row and then none for a while and then a couple. Of um, so, yeah, we're going to go straight up with uh, Larry and Leon into the apartment. So she gave. She gave her phone number to me and Rosie. <laughs> oh, look at this, man. Are you kidding me, Larry? Renny Harlan's place. Holy I mean, shit. it happens to you crazy. Rosie, baby, I'm here. <laughs> you got to tell people you're here sometimes, right? Anyway, so what do you think about <laughs> that? I'm in competition with Rosie O'Donnell. Wow, man. I'll tell you what. I'm feeling a little insecure about it. Lesbians have kind of an advantage in a way. They're some tricky motherfuckers. Frankly, I don't know what I'm doing down there. Ladies know that shit. You're right. Ladies That's do know That's what I'm that. saying. I they can't do. compete with a lesbian yeah, like that. Yeah, they know, you know every nook and cranny. You know, every nook and cranny. What would happen if we were bisexuals? You know I, I couldn't be comfortable now. I wouldn't be comfortable right now. Right now, I'd be all fucked up right now. I would have zero interest in a person like you. You got them right. Me too, yeah. Larry. You know what I mean? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in me? Fuck no, Larry. First of all, I would fucking throw the fuck up. I would I regurgitate so my own good. shit. I would regurgitate and uh, shit. You think I'd go out with a guy wearing a green wife beater? First look, of all, look at you. Look at this shit right here. Uh, this shit, this shit's this shit on your head? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Huh? What the hell is that? Oh, I guess mine, Larry. Fucking guess mine. You know, <laughs> oh. you know I guess mine, too. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Where's my room at? Where the fuck's my room at, Larry? Ha <laughs> ha! I'm in the house! Um, I love that conversation Um, in part because it's one of those that doubles as a Larry KB conversation, I feel like, just as much as a Larry Leon. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like I feel like I'm sure like Larry is over over the years like giving to him like what are you wearing? <laughs> and like Larry, like you know what, what I'm doing is working, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I, I bet that that's like uh no, but, but JB Smooth uh, in real yeah. life is like an extraordinarily dapper dresser and is always wearing suits and top hats and stuff like that. So sure. Leon's outfits are very, very different than JB's. But, but, yes, but also dapper in a way that Larry David, I'm sure, many sure. times thinks is ridiculous. So yes. like, what are you oh, I'm sure. Yes. So, yes, yes I, 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 yes. I the, episode, exactly the, episode do, the, the scene does start with a little bit of sort of almost Seinfeldian, a little bit of gay panic there between the two of them, where they're like, all of a sudden, oh, I'd be very comfortable with you. If you oh, almost gay yeah. panic? Very gay panic. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they recover by uh, acknowledging they're just not each other's types. Yeah, not there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. My father's gay. My father's guy. He wears sneakers in the pool. Um, well, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, Larry is going to uh, head to a local Japanese restaurant to pick up an order for dinner for him and Jane, and let's check it out. 
Gotta pick up some food to go, David. Okay, one second. Okay. Larry? Larry, hi. Uh, Doug we're both Shane. in New York. Yeah, we're both Look in at this, New York. two Angelinos here in New York. That's something, well, isn't what it? Are you Angelinos. Hey, you know, <laughs> I just came. Hey, here's a thought. Let's go to lunch tomorrow. Mm. Mm. I don't think so. Okay, Thursday. No, I, I, I don't think so. Why not? Well, we don't really see each other in L.A. So why, if, if we're in one city all the time and we never have lunch in that city, why would we have lunch in the new city? Well, I see what this is. I see what this is. We don't have lunch you together still in holding LA. a grudge because we didn't invite you to Joni's bat mitzvah. You'll never forgive me for that. No, no. I'm telling you, we sent it out. You were on the list. I did get the invitation. Yeah. Yes. And I paid so little attention to it <laughs> that I didn't even bother to RSVP. Because I shouldn't have been invited in the first place. I was offended that I was invited. So let me get this straight. I'm gonna, eat alone. I'm, I'm gonna eat alone tomorrow. Why do you want to eat with me? Because we never get a chance to eat in LA. Because we're not friends. <laughs> we're not friends because we never spend time together. We don't spend time together because I don't want to spend time together. Is it possible that you have a little room for growth? No. Duckstein, I think we've taken this about as far as we can. There'll be no lunch, no breakfast, or dinner. There won't be a snack, there won't be coffee, there won't be a drink, and hopefully there won't even be another bump into. I feel badly for you, because life is like this. Yes. And what you've done is made it like this. I want to make that smaller. Really? Yes. Sh shrink it, shrink it, put the hands together. That's what I want. See you, Duckstein. Bye, Larry. Um, yes so it's an amazing scene i was offended that i was invited completely amazing larry telling duckstein exactly how he feels is sort of like the peak larry unplugged like this is the post cheryl larry that we want right yeah absolutely amazing don't be hiding who here. you are yeah um also i feel like you know i'm gonna guess that this isn't like the first uh time he's had an interaction like this with duckstein Sure. I mean, but I think he's probably been more subtle in the past and now he's being explicit. That's what I'm saying. Right. It's like, yeah. he, no, I like strongly, Duxley I strongly agree with him. Like I've always been against this concept, which I think like in our parents' generation, calling somebody long distance was expensive. So when you went to their town, even if you weren't going to see them, you made the local call, say, hi, I'm in your town. You know, at least I'm making the local call. Nowadays, this, this concept that you have to call someone when you're in their town that you're not going to see is completely insane, which is sort of parallel to, well, you know, we're both from Los Angeles, so now that we're in New York, we like same thing. Like, oh, like, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in this place. You're in this place. Let's go out together. Like, if we would go out together when we're in the same place, then we should. But if yeah. not, now, yeah, now that's yeah, yeah, I completely agree intellectually. Now that said, um, having said that, I've totally done this. Like, where all of a sudden, like, you see someone, you're like, oh, and, like you hang out, and you go to dinner, and you're like, what the hell? That made no sense. Like, we, like, we live but in the a same person who you would have gone, gone out with in person in in the same place, or a person you wouldn't. No, people that we wouldn't have that we like we've like befriended on vacation. Oh, it's very random. It ha it happened. Like, it's, oh, okay, I, and I agree, it doesn't make any sense. Like one time it was like in Italy. So like again, also it's like sometimes it's like when you're when like you don't know anybody, you just like you see. Yeah, but I'm you sure know. they each know a lot of people in New York. I'm sure they each know a lot of people in New York. Yeah, yes. so that's. I mean, that's another. Like, it's funny how she says two Angelinos. You know, um, I was out of town this weekend. And when people say where I'm from, I, I, I have a great shame in saying I'm from New Jersey. You know, I don't mean to insult you. You, of course, are from New Jersey. But yeah, um, very shameful. 
I don't have like tremendous pride at all. In fact, I have negative pride to me. So I always say, I always answer, well, I live in New Jersey, but I'm from Minnesota. That's what I always say. Yeah. You could also just say New York. Like, I feel like that's fine. Yeah. Except then you fall for like the trick of, oh, we're in New York, New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. If I'm in China, maybe I'll say New York. If I'm in Detroit, I feel like it's uh, close enough that they can they know the difference. They right. Know there's 50 states. I played a game with my kids in the car. It's uh, who can name a state. Well, you they didn't ask you what state do you live in. They asked you where like where do you live, to which I still maintain New York is a very reasonable answer. Yes. Like, I mean, I live in Proc. I live fewer square miles from the heart of New York than the heart of most downtowns in most places I've lived in my life. Right. Probably. So that's you live. That's the major, the major metro area that you live. Yeah. Yes. I live from like, from like Capitol Hall in New York city is, is what fewer than 10 miles away from where I sit right now or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Manhattan's two miles away. Part of it. So. Anyway. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Larry tells Duckstein, uh, uh how it is and, uh, very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so we should talk about for a second. This guy uh, playing him is uh, a fellow named Alan Zweibel or Zweibel. Mm, I don't yes. know which one it is. Very um, uh, heavy. Yeah. He was on the original writing staff of SNL. So like a big, uh, big name in uh, comedy. He was a consulting producer on 20 episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And I believe I read in a book that I read earlier this year uh, called Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good. It's about the history of Larry David's uh, creation of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm that Alan Zweibel is credited by some as being the person who gave Larry David the idea of like, you should do like a, like a documentary or stand up or something for, with HBO. So... Um, I think it's pretty fair to say that if not for Duckstein, there would be no Kirby enthusiasm. So. so Larry should be treating him a little bit nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we head back over to Jane's house. Larry brings the dinner and, you know, she's goes on about how, you know, I didn't want to come out because my cat wouldn't stop puking. It makes her nervous. And Larry jokes, oh, maybe the pet cat was puking because he knew that I was coming. And she's like, yeah, that's what I was throwing up a minute ago. They're doing a just hilarious bit about vomit. I don't really get what the, what's going on here, but um, I guess that's working for them. It's also it's like um, Leon was also doing like a vomiting bit. So I don't know if this is a coincidence or somehow like people were just like talking about yeah, like uh, Dan told us last week that there was one week where Jeff Garland was just saying jism to everybody. So maybe this week he was saying like puke vomit to everyone. And that just like ended up uh, percolating into people's improvised lines. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not a big fan yeah. of vomit humor. So yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they go on with more puke jokes. Um, Mr. Jane wants to know, what are we eating? And he says, Japanese. But she says, that's not going to work. Uh, noticing that the soup has spilled all over the bag. All the food is wet. And Larry's like, they didn't secure the soup. They have two jobs in a restaurant. Get the order right. Secure the food. Yeah. And he, uh, he tells Jane, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to tell them off. I'm going to tell them what's what." Yeah. Now, it's a very strange first date in the first place to be getting takeout and eating it in her apartment. Yeah, it's a little I mean, bit uh, suggestive. I, good. Good on Larry that that's uh, that was her interest, I guess. Yeah. Listen, um, when you're when you're a bisexual, clearly uh, and you're Jane, you're trying out both sides. You want to get cut right to the punch and see uh, how they can each perform. <laughs> right. She doesn't have time for dinner. She's, she's making a decision between two friends. Yes. They don't have time for dinner. 
Let's get straight to the good stuff. Um, Jane's like, nah, don't worry about it. Like, I don't need to have Japanese food. I just had sushi last night anyway. I, you know, I went to Yankee Stadium with a friend of mine. Oh, you may mm. know her, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, Lowry, for some reason, lies and pretends not to know who Rosie O'Donnell is. Which well, because other, well, otherwise, it's very weird that, like, he, yeah, you're, you're dating two friends who know each other. Well, I guess he could have said he was aware of her, like, as an acquaintance or something. Right. Like he, that. Still, he doesn't he have doesn't, to acknowledge that they're openly in competition. Right. He doesn't have to yeah. lie and say he doesn't know who Rosie is. But I do she, love how, like, most of Larry's women have no idea who he is, and like, she obviously knows him very well. Like, um, you know, she's the Jewish girl from New York. So, of course, she's familiar with Seinfeld and she knows who Larry is. And she, she's like, oh, you must know Larry, Rosie O'Donnell. And of course, you know, he, he lies about it, of course. But like, I do like the fact that like she's she's different than those L.A. girls that Larry goes out with. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. So Larry, um, Larry and Jane um, continue talking about dinner and she offers him some wine and she's like red or white. Because Larry's like, I don't care, whatever. Like, he knows that like. Um, Rosie has the upper hand on him, but they're making out on the couch and Larry's like, well, what did Rosie think of your apartment? And Jane says, what are you talking about? Rosie's never been in my apartment. Um, but now Larry is uh, very excited. He feels like now he's back on top and uh, bemoans uh, Rosie's fate. Poor thing. And yeah. Heads back to saying, is that the only place they could have uh, gone back for a nightcap? They couldn't have gone yeah. to like Rosie's house who lives in Rosie York, probably has a much nicer house. Yeah, Rosie's place is a good possibility. Yeah. Um, all right, like a hotel. Yeah, there's many, there's many places they could have gone and uh, gotten it on. I'm going to speculate, knowing nothing about Rosie O'Donnell's place in New York, but I'm going to speculate that she would want to uh, show it off to a prospective dad, which is taking her to the, you know, to to award shows. Like she's clearly trying to like impress her. So. Yeah, I bet uh, Rosie. And by the way, really why nice didn't Larry hat. try and take her back to um to what's his name's house? <laughs> <laughs> to Tesla's. To, uh, yeah. Yeah, to Brandy Harlan's place, right? Brandy Harlan, yeah. yeah that's, that's a nice place. I mean, that's a know, really I'm, nice place. Yeah, Leon was very excited. Yeah, no, that, those are the great, those like floor to ceiling uh, windows. You can see the city. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I almost once rented an apartment that was a corner apartment with floor to ceiling windows. And it was amazing. And my wife vetoed it. And I was very mad at her because it was, it was you, like the living room was like so New York. It was unbelievable. Did she veto it because it was going to be incredibly hot in the apartment all the time? No, the windows were facing north and west. So we, we were in the southeast corner, so we're facing northwest. So does that? No, she vetoed it for the dumber reason, which is that it was one block away from where she worked, and she wanted to be at a place that was literally connected by underground tunnel to where she worked. She actually uh-huh. said to me, and I quote, how am I going to get to work? And I said, <laughs> I'm going to walk from First Avenue to York Avenue, which oh, but one block. Work. As opposed to me, I walk like two miles to work every day because there was no subway like from work. I lived on York. And so and she's like, yeah, this was a crazy idea to her. She's like, would I have to take a jacket in the winter? I'm like, you might have to take a jacket if you need a jacket to walk one block. So, yeah, she vetoed it. And we stayed living on York because we were connected by tunnel to where she worked. And how big were your windows? Uh, We had very small windows. Very small windows. Very small. For some reason, in the 1960s, when they built all these buildings in New York City, they thought, hmm, let's try and not let people have views of, like, the amazing, incredible city that they're in. Yeah. yeah. Not cool, Dr. Jen. Mm, bad job uh, at Dr. Jen. Yeah. Although the rent was exactly the same, by the way. Of course. He wasn't a doctor at the time. Um, so, Ms. Jen. No, she was a doctor. Well, she was. Okay, Dr. Jen. She had, she had graduated medical school. So. Fine. That's, that's good. Yeah. You're a doctor if you graduate. Yeah. It's the dream of becoming a doctor. Dump whoever you're with before you become a doctor. Yeah, uh, I feel like there'll be an opportunity for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just quoting Porno Gill there, of course. Ah, yes. Yes. Um, Is he on the men, by the way? Have we gotten further updates? 
talking about news and the notes and those in the news. Um, I feel like no news is good news with stuff like that. Yeah, or very bad, but yes, but there's no there's, there's no I, significant development. Not that I've heard, and yeah, like I yeah. feel like you know we're not we're not uh, entitled to like <laughs> no, I don't need updates to have, on yes, both. Yes, we, right. yes. So we, we wish like, we wish him only the best. Yeah, we wish him only the best. Um, and I feel like if we haven't heard anything, he's probably doing fine. Hmm. Um, if it was very bad, we probably would've. we're more likely to have heard that. Well, let's let's uh, let's hope for only the best. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, unless they finish the show, in which case I don't really care about. <laughs> Not kidding. I love Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Hopefully he'll do more things. Yeah, yeah, we need him back for season twelve of Kirk. Yeah. Now you you did not love his movie. Now that we're talking about Bob Odenkirk. Uh, nobody. Yeah, it was okay. You know, there were some cool scenes. Did you see it? No, but I was very excited by the idea of him doing that kind of a movie. But I yeah, was not excited it, enough to see it. So no, you no, you might like it though. If you, if yeah, if you if that, you're excited about that, it's cool to see him like play that sort of character. It's not yeah, it's not that long. It's like ninety minutes. Um, and if you don't like it, like turn it off after forty minutes and like mm. you got the idea. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he like beats people up. Like he's you know he's a, like it's like he's a really uh it's a really it's like just cool action scenes. Like so if you like cool action scenes, there's a number of them. Um, and it is unusual seeing Bob Odenkirk being the, the badass there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Larry heads back to the Japanese restaurant to tell them how traumatic it was. I had to open up this badly sealed dinner. Um, it was super, so embarrassing on my date. I, you know, I'm competing with a lesbian for the affection of a bisexual. And I ended up having to have a soup and a sandwich for dinner. <laughs> and the, uh, the manager, you know, he's very, you know, he's very embarrassed. He's, you know, he uh, is very apologetic to Larry. He says, you know, you know, for next time, like, you know, you got to do a better job securing the bag, you know, tape, staples, whatever it takes. You know, well, you staples are a shot. terrible idea. You don't want to introduce like holes. You want to introduce holes. No, I feel like the I, I get takeout with staple bags. I think that keeps it very tightly shut. But but the soup, like you don't want a stapler anywhere near the soup, I'm saying. Well, I, I don't think it's too hard with like one of those brown paper bags to like fold over the top and just staple that part without puncturing the soup. Yes, but what? what okay, let me let me restate. There's yeah. nothing. If the goal is securing a liquid from spilling, there's nothing that staples can resolve there, right? You cannot staple something closed so much so that liquid can't go through. You need you need a top right. that like clicks in and then tape yes. could work. Staples, the top is our, the yes. top is crucial. Ta- staples are not involved in, in the soup in the soup safety is what I'm saying. Right, except the the staples as a protection that worst case should something happen to the soup, it it gives insulation to the other food. Yeah, but I'm saying if the soup is leaking through and sogging through that bag, the staples ain't doing anything. It it depends how much right. If the yeah. if literally the top comes off and it's soaking through, yes. Yeah. If yeah. like it comes off a little bit and, and liquid is getting through, having a closed bag will keep the liquid it's in. It's better the bag. than oh, yes. I mean, I do like though how when Larry returns in a later scene, we see the guy stapling and taping, like he's doing everything. Yeah. And like, to be fair and to be clear, in this situation, if all that had happened is that they had lost their soup, they would have been fine because they, they, they still would have had plenty to eat. If they but ordered the soup like, soaking and everything else. Yeah. Right. When, they, when the soup ruins the whole meal, that's a disaster. So yeah. like, at least you want to you want to localize the damage. Yeah. Possible. Now, I, here's a hot take. I'm never I'm never that excited by the soups when you're eating Japanese food. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of miso soup. Um, I like um, my wife really the, is. And you know what? You know what miso soup yeah. tastes like? It tastes like. Salty water, honestly. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not very good. I don't love it. Um, I don't love too many of the like Chinese takeout soups either. Like, I can't eat the hot and sour soup. I don't like egg drop soup. Oh, I like both some- of those actually. So, like, I we- mean, it, egg drop soup tastes very unhealthy to me. 
then we often at our Chinese restaurants have. Uh-huh. Chicken How do we soup. move from Japan to China so quickly? Because I like the Chinese soups. I was complaining about the Japanese soups. Well, so I'm saying, I'm, well, I'm, going, I'm moving on to the next thing. Okay. Um, I do like that, like an udon noodle, like something like that. Yeah, I do like that. I don't mind wonton. So our res- uh, Chinese restaurants have chicken noodle soup. I, I'm sus- I suspect that that's not the norm, <laughs> right? That that's probably just a kosher Chinese place thing. Oh, it's literally called chicken noodle soup. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's uh, a little more Jewish than Chinese, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's right. They're just like servicing a Jewish clientele, so they yeah. just throw in chicken soup. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think most places have that. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not into most of those soups either. Now, uh, I, am I, like on, lot, I am I am on like the Wikipedia, I am on the Wikipedia page called for, List of Chinese what? Soups. Okay, uh-huh. now we have a Chinese and duck blood soup, not kosher. Okay. Doesn't sound like it. Yes. Then we have chicken soup. Many Chinese soups are based on chicken broth. Typical Chinese, typical Chinese chicken soup is made from old hens and a seasoned with ginger, scallions, black pepper, soy sauce, rice wine, and sesame oil. That sounds like a chicken soup that I've had at many kosher, at many kosher Chinese restaurants, actually. Yeah. Maybe. Now, and I'm, I'm scrolling down. They also have a silky soup, which is funny silky. because silky is the kind of chicken that Jen really wants to purchase, which is why mm. I noticed that. Silky oh, soup. so you can purchase one and then you can make the soup. Yes, also known as black chicken soup. By the way, the Wikipedia link to silky soup because it's like a, it's like a blue word. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. It is to the silky itself. Ooh. Um. Oh no. Oh no. It's to the it's to the drop tab in silky called in cuisine. The black oh, meat oh, of a silky is. Oh my goodness. There's a picture of of a dead baby bird in some soup in Singapore. It's a little bit uh a little bit uh not so appetizing to look at. In my uh very uh, culturally biased opinion. All right. So, yeah. So the chicken noodle soup is a uh, well-known respected Chinese soup. Go ahead. Um, so the restaurant or owner um, offers Larry, you know, if you want to make it up to you, I'll give you, you know, your duplicate order again today. Uh, but Larry's like, no, I don't want more food. Um, just an apology would be great. Mm-hmm. Now, I do really love I mean, I've done this at restaurants before where like I've called them if they give me like the wrong delivery order. One of the two things you're supposed to do, as Larry says. Mm-hmm. And I and, like I, I'm not I always say to them, I'm not asking for anything free here. I'm not asking you to like come bring me a dessert in 20 minutes. I'm letting you know just, you know, that you guys got it wrong. And but yeah, because I think it's like you get like extra credibility then because you're not just snoring for like, you know, five dollars off, but you're, you know, you, like you're you're here. I, I mean, Larry's here for for an apology. I guess I've never asked for an apology. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the restaurant manager apologized to Larry, he gives him a bow. Larry is very impressed by the bow. Hmm. Um, yes. Can't can't quibble with a bow. Um, turns out you could, he will quibble with. A well, bow. yes, if he only knew what a shit bow was. But yes, <laughs> this is a shit bow. Um, and now, Larry, let me ask you, is Larry this guy giving an intentionally shit bow to spite Larry or is he just trying to get him out of the store and doesn't care about him? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know why he would give him a shit bow. Like if he's going through like yeah. the humiliation of like having to do the bow for like, assuming that like, oh, I hate this guy and I don't want to like. Well, he knows that's him. not a humiliating bow. That's humiliating to Larry. So like right. he's just like he's just saying like oh the guy won't even know. So he's openly gonna... taunting him. Yeah, right. I don't. So I, like... I think he's just dismissive of Larry in general. I mean, he openly says like you promised you would leave. Why haven't you left yet? You know. Right. Yeah. That, I like that one. He's like I yeah. thought like the, the transaction was I, yeah. I I do the bow and then you leave. Not then you still get to complain more. The whole the whole scene's amazing. Although there is a little bit of an awkward like similarity to Larry's interaction with the acupuncturist. Yeah. Like Larry clearly uh, 
thinks there's one interaction he can have with like Japanese service providers, but yeah, um, and then and then and then Mr. Takahashi. There's two types of Japanese people. Sure, yes. Well, with Mr. Takahashi, he's very reverential because Takahashi yeah. isn't providing a service to him. Takahashi is, you know, he's trying to right. Oh, he has he has power over him. Yeah. Okay, so we go to Central Park. We're gonna play some baseball. Um, I played in the Central Park in uh, the baseball league. I believe you played for our team once or twice. I played in the, I played in various Central Park softball leagues for many years. A variety of them. I played in with work. I played with other people's work. I played uh, in the Sunday morning game. I think is what you're referring to. Yeah, I, uh, I, I yes, I played a lot of softball in Central Park. But I do love how LD and Jeff immediately find themselves on a team. Yeah, not only on a team, like Lowry's pitching. Like, what the hell is going on here? Well, the pitcher, um, in most cases, is not exactly the star of the team, necessarily. Not necessarily the star, but there's always people who like to pitch. Yeah, yes. Um, like, but, it's, a, it's a desirable but, position, like yeah, you're very well, involved the, in the game. The, the, the softball that's played in Seinfeld and now in Curb in Central Park never makes any sense to me. <laughs> Why is that? It just... It's way too easy to hit a home run. Like there's just right. like the field is too small. I don't know. There's all kinds of which part of the park are they playing in? I feel like I never got to play that far down. Actually, that's not uh-huh. true. I played a couple games in the in the in the. I played course. very far. <laughs> we had to like walk so far to get to our fields. So, like we were already super north. Yeah. No, I think I've actually played. Yeah. So there's the park. There's the there's the there's the fields right at like 65th, like right above the zoo, basically. Um, then there's the parks in the Great Lawn. Yeah, there's there's softball. I think I've actually probably played in all of them. There's yeah. all there's also ones all the way up, but like by 110th, like north of the. Um, so that's the the, we played around there. We played in the hundreds. Oh well, I, the 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 time that I played with you, if you're referring to what I think you're referring to, they play on the Great Lawn. Was it? I thought I thought that was the the Jewish Sunday more... Morning League is on the Great Lawn. Was it okay? I mean, I, I played remember. there for years, so yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that I just don't really. I'm not good at geography, yeah. especially when it's in a park where there's like no signs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the the one thing that was super annoying about that league was that it was basically that like if it rained any time like after Wednesday afternoon, like there was no games on Sunday because like the grass would like needed to be dry for forty eight hours. They're very strict. I was once playing was crazy football on the field during the lightest of rains, and a police officer came and yelled at us. Actually, yeah. they're very strict in Central Park. Yeah, they're so they care so much about their grass. I guess it's the only grass in the whole yeah. borough. So the, like no, the miserable protective. the miserable part of that league is that the game started at like eight thirty on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it was very early. We were working on like very little. I mean, you know, I never went to sleep early at all. Even if I forget about going out, if I wasn't going out, I was staying home watching TV and doing charts. But I never, I never go to bed on a Saturday <laughs> night before four thirty because I'm up. Stay you know, I, I, I take a nap on Shabbat afternoon. I'm saying one way or another, I never go to bed before four thirty on a Saturday night, virtually, right, or um, any night. Yeah. So really, what well, doesn't matter what day the baseball. Also league. true. And then this league, because of the constant rainouts, you'd end up having like a like a like a a four a quadruple header. Yes, in like yes. August. So you play a game at 8.30 and at 10 and at 11.30 and at 1. And for some reason, whatever the temperature is in Manhattan at any time in the summer, in Central Park, it's always 104 degrees when you're playing baseball. Yeah, my uh, my daughter started Little League this year and had a, they had double headers. Her mm. first time ever playing baseball <laughs> was a double header. That's too, supposed, that's, that's too much baseball. She was supposed to play last year and then there was COVID. Um, so they canceled all the whole Little League. And then this year... She's like now she's like already at like the next level of the little league because based on her age, even though she, yeah, nobody played the year. first level, so they yeah. just like they just advanced everyone. Oh, you're all better at, at baseball yeah. now because a year passed, but none of you played, so you're even worse than regular. You're like you're literally a year behind, but we're fine, we're gonna treat you. Um, so like the first week it rained, so there was no game, and the second week they're like double head. 
You played two games. The first time you ever played baseball, you played two Honestly, full games. Honestly, that's better than what our league did, which is we had a bunch of rainouts and then just uh, we didn't make the, up the games. We just had many fewer games. Actually, that was better. Let me, as a coach, I could say it's much better than fewer games. But yeah, I kept like yelling like why they weren't like having practices, like teach oh. the kids how to swing the bat, how yes. to throw the ball. Like they they never did this. Like they don't know what they yeah. do. No, the the first like two weeks was like yeah because these kids had taken off two years. Um, or had never played before, but even the kids who had played it had been two years. Yeah, there was tremendous, tremendous growth necessarily in the first. And by the way, in I don't know about your daughter, but in my, in my son's leagues, there was tremendous growth. Honestly, they got much better, but that's because they were so bad. Like the, right. the first game, the first inning, like nobody knew like whether to run to first base or third base. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they they knew what they were doing by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we ended up playing this team, but they were like making plays, like throwing people out. Like we don't we didn't throw somebody out at first base the whole season. Like it wasn't okay. a possible thing. We either the the, our, the best case scenario, the second base case scenario was you feel the ball and you like, just like get it to the pitcher before throwing it away. But like the guy is easily safe at first, fine. But like yeah. that's a win. Yeah. Um, or they had one kid on the team who was like really fast, so if he fielded it. He would run to first base and beat <laughs> the guy. If somebody else fielded it, they would try to throw it to this kid Misher. Oh. And then he would run into first base. <laughs> so I I mean, I told the story to my sons because I just vividly remember this from kindergarten. Like the first time that I played T-ball, I was somewhere third base, short, shortstop, whatever. I was on that side of the infield and I got a grounder and I sprinted across the diamond and I beat the runner out. And so the guy was out and the coach stopped the game and explained to me, no, you did it wrong. After you feel it, you have to throw it to the first baseman. And I said, no, 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 there is no chance that I am going to successfully throw the ball to him. And even if by some miracle I did, there's no chance he would catch it because we're five. Whereas my method, I got the guy out. And of course the coach was trying to explain to me like the fundamentals of how you play the game, you know, and I was very focused on just uh, the outcome, not the, uh, the process. But um, my son actually was playing third base and there was like a pop fly, sort of like a Texas leaguer, as we call it, sort of a, over his head. And as he ran backwards, he sort of accidentally made like this insane Willie Mays catch. <laughs> and it was it was immediately one of like the top five moments of my life until <laughs> he ran back into the dugout at the end of the inning and he loudly announced, I didn't even know where the ball was. I just threw my glove up there and I got totally loud. I'm like, Eris, you don't say that. Like, you have to take credit for your amazing catch. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So yeah. yeah there's, there's no intentionally successful plays at this age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the end of the year, some of the kids uh, could play a little bit. So, yeah, that was fun to see. Um, so, yeah. For me, so... Rosie O'Donnell hitting home runs. I mean, she doesn't even have to run. She's going to get around the bases so easily. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Larry. this ball, what, 300 feet? Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, right. So Larry and, Jeff, Larry and Jeff, they're just, you know, throwing the ball around at first. And Rosie comes over and she asks how the date was. And he says, couldn't have gone better. She feels the same way about hers. Um, Larry says, I want to know when's your next date. She tells him Monday. Larry mocks her for having a date on a Monday, saying only someone really desperate for a date would have a date on a Monday. Um, Rosie's like, I'm not going to tell her you said that. This, yeah, it's like this whole thing is like it's such a weird situation. Uh, but it's good now, what is Larry doing all day in New York other than going on dates with Jane and playing softball with Jeff? Yeah, it's a good question. He's going, well, he's hanging out at art galleries, you know. I guess so. Yeah. What is this league exactly? It's like automotive or what does it say on their shirts? It's uh, Yari something. I think it's, it's Robert Smigel. I think we, we don't, we well, it, it is Robert Smigel, but who is he supposed yeah. to be? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll, we'll find Rosie's out. on the other team, right? Like we know that like Larry and George, excuse me, Jerry and George played on the team hosted by the comedy club. 
And then right. they played the team hosted by Rochelle, Rochelle, the musical, of course, because musicals <laughs> are known for sponsoring softball Sponsoring teams in sure. the celebrities, in, in the, uh, in the, in the actors. On the upper, on the upper west side. Yeah. yeah what, what is this league called? The, the actors league or the, 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 you know, I don't even know the, the showbiz league, something like that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. Um, so she's like, what's wrong with your arm? And he's like, well, you know, I was doing the whole, this whole move with my arm all night long. <laughs> um, you know, it really made it hurt. I was making out with Jane and, uh, Rose is like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of guys think that's a good move, but it's not, you know, it's funny. <laughs> um, you know, I also have a lot of pain. My pain is in my neck. <laughs> uh, and as we know, there's only two ways you can hurt your neck. Yeah. I guess Rosie was in a car accident. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she uh, she fills Larry in on the news that her and Jane are going to see the Tonys together on a date. Um, Larry doesn't think, you know, he tries to like downplay it. You know, it's not a big deal, whatever. Tony's no, like, it's a big but, deal. Well, it's, it's so more, I think what Larry is trying to argue is that this is not a reflection on the of nature you. of your relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's like, of course she'll go with you to the Tonys. Like, anyone would go with anyone to the Tonys. Like, that but, doesn't but, mean she's into but it, you. But it undercuts Larry's whole argument, which is like, Larry even said, I'm an old bald guy. Like, like Larry knows that the appeal is not purely in like who you are, right. but like, you know, what you are, and you know, like what you bring to the table. Yeah. You, the whole you, package. Yeah, you bring your juice penis, you bring your celebrity profile, <laughs> you bring your money, whatever the case may be. Like these are all like so yeah, I don't know exactly what Larry's uh, going off on Rosie for here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean at the very least, Rosie's getting very good sex after this, based on what we know about Jane and how into the into Broadway she is. Like, sure, she is very into Broadway. She's going to the Tonys. Rosie's hurting her neck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rosie's neck is not gonna be uh so great for a few days, I think, <laughs> after the Tonys. Um, so um, Jeff was like, like, yeah, you can't compete with that. <laughs> then Larry says. Uh, and then, I mean, uh, he has half a million dollars. I'm sure he can come up with something. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's get a little uh, little tidbit of the baseball game. We have uh, Larry in the field. Larry's going to turn two coming up here. Yeah. You don't see that very often. Uh, maybe he was safe at first. Not, not clear. I mean, how often do you see a double play? Oh, no, he's out. He's out. <laughs> Come on, little Larry. Here we go. How's your arm? Good enough for you. Come on. Throw it to mommy. Right, let's go, Larry. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Poor Jeff. Yeah, Jeff is playing left field. Yeah, so we see Rosie's uh, very, very easy uh, jog around the bases. Yeah, she really crushed that ball. She must hit that ball 400 feet. I love that Larry's like mad at like, oh, the left fielder screwed up. He yeah. throw in this. <laughs> you give him a, he hit the ball 400 feet. Oh, but Although this I, is slow pitch softball. So the pitcher's yeah. only job is not to walk people, basically. Right, right. You're supposed to let people hit it. Well, you don't want to like literally like lob it over. Pitch like, the contact. You know. Well, Larry, yeah, Larry like, did lob it over pretty, pretty soft. Are they pl- well, they're playing balls and strikes, but there's balls and strikes. Yeah, I mean, I assume there was. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so we're going to jump uh, straight to the next scene um, with uh, Larry and Leon back at the uh, Rennie Harlan apartment. I feel like going on this date. 
Swear to God, I'd like to cancel right now. Let me tell you something, man. I would not be a fucking friend sitting around this plush motherfucker and allow you to go out there and allow a lesbian to beat you in a fucking <laughs> game. OK? Come on. It's over. She's taking her to the Tonys. And let's face it, she's got the lesbian advantage. We are fucking men, Larry. What do we have, man? What the fuck do we have that she doesn't have? Uh, no, I got the penis. You're damn right. Rose O'Donnell does not have. There's no penis. <laughs> you want a penis? <laughs> no penis. Women do not have penises. Men have penises. You were absolutely right. Don't be a fucking victim. Okay? You at back. What's below your fucking back? What dangles below your back? Huh? Balls? We got bats and balls, right? Right. Okay. What ladies have? Gloves. What do gloves do? Catch the goddamn balls. That's what ladies on this planet to do is catch balls. Bats and balls run the fucking world. The woman is on this earth to catch balls. The interesting <laughs> theory. See what I'm saying? Too bad I don't have a daughter. I'd like to impart that knowledge to her. Gloves don't catch gloves. We have the advantage. Okay? You gotta realize that, though. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But we're talking about the Tonys here, okay? This penis that I have cannot compete with the Tonys. Tonys are a grand slam. Fuck the Tonys. Fucking Tony. Who the fuck is Tony? <laughs> Who's that? a grand slam? Juice? You want me to juice? I want you to win. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Larry didn't take a lot of convincing there. Yeah. Now, I, I love how Leon can get away with this, like, misogyny that no one else in the world can do. But Yeah. Yeah. This is a um, very uh, regressive uh, attitude. It's like Leon a superpower, Black, though. <laughs> now, yeah, here's... here's Let's let's get into the science here a little bit. As I understand it, you take these pills when you cannot get an erection, right? And then it gives you an erection. But right. it doesn't turn like a regular man into the world's greatest lover. But all of a sudden in the next scene, like like Larry wow. is the world's greatest lover. Like this woman is like knocked out cold. Like so Larry at all times was the world's greatest lover. He just had a slight erectile dysfunction issue. Um no, I don't. I mean, I I don't know for sure. I don't know that's quite right. What what I would suppose is the case is that someone who is does not have an erection can't get an erection if they take Viagra or the like. It enables them to be able to get an erection. Correct. Somebody who can get an erection if they were to take such a pill, I would assume, would enhance their erection. But but again, like enhance, like you know, uh, without getting into personal details too much, like in your life, like. Has the difference in quality and a sexual performance ever been like, like you're either erect or you're not like I just you're erect, you're erect. Like that's not going to make you the world's greatest lover. Like you have to. Well, it could it could increase. Uh, we don't need to get too <laughs> too graphic here. Uh, I would suggest it could increase the duration of time w- at which the male can remain erect. So so the issue the issue of having sex with Larry David previously was that it didn't last long enough. Or it lasted a regular amount. Yeah. And now it's lasting a yeah. long amount. I think that's what's going on here. 
Um, yeah, the whole thing. And by the way, I don't understand. And it's the theme of the whole episode, which doesn't make any sense to me, is like this shame. Like, again, either Larry <laughs> suffers from something for which this medicine is designed. So, I mean, I, I've, I've never taken this this medicine. I do have a friend who took it um, like just uh, recreationally <laughs> once for a friend. Well, when, but, well, why would one take it recreationally if not for the fact that? Well, just it, he was curious. It, and he right, told but, me that he, he basically just told me that he had an erection for four hours, basically. OK, so do so, so it's exactly what I said. But that's not I mean, in my experience, <laughs> it, it, the woman's if there's no woman that says I need penetration for four hours. That's what I'm missing here. Sure. Like, not for four hours. It's the quality, maybe. not the quantity. I don't know. I don't know. There's a difference in quality. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, penis is a penis, uh, but a yes, penis. But that's, it's, it's not. It's not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. What, what did my gym teacher in ninth grade tell me? Something about that. It's how you use it. It's not what you have. But you, sure. yes, you you need you need a bare threshold. I agree. But Larry either had that threshold or didn't. If he didn't, then there's no shame in taking this medication. That's what it's designed for. And if he did, then he already had. I don't. I don't understand. I think it enhanced his. Sexual prowess. No. Yes, it was a PED. I understand how the episode is doing. I just no, I but I, th- I, I know I, I stand by the fact that it makes sense that I think somebody who is does not have an erectile issue would experience an enhanced sexual duration and sexual. So, so here's my other question: uh, energy do or whatever you, the hell you want to use word you want to use th- that does, they would perform better than they normally do from th- having that. Th- boost of hormones or whatever it is that causes the erection to happen in somebody who can't have an erection. Does the medication cause you to be able to stave off completion earlier? I don't know, but but possibly. I mean, to my knowledge, it does not. And I would have assumed if anything, it does the opposite. It it like uh, it, it gets you there in a place that you may not have been able to get to otherwise. I don't know. I don't know. I, you seem to have fewer issues with this than I do. Yeah, I don't have any issues with this at all, um, and I I don't really have firsthand knowledge, so I, I you know yeah. it's not based on all right, that. Fine, let's each try take this medication and then come back and report. <laughs> Should we? Uh, let me see. Should I read? I, I mean, I I just I, to me this was like obvious. Oh, uh, to me it was obviously stupid. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Again, like to, to me, like this creates a non-erect erection into an erection and but it doesn't inc- increase the the quality of performance of, of the person using the erection so viagra helps to maintain the erection after ejaculation and reduces the, who cares and, after what and <laughs> reduces the refractory time before a second erection can be obtained okay so is it is it is it so is 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 the success of larry's performance that he completed and then returned for a stage two before uh Jane or maybe stage it? maybe stage three four and five who knows maybe they were going five. all right if he's getting to five stages that's pretty impressive who knows what what went yeah. on this was in obviously my experience the girls that aren't killing for five stages in one night but jane cohen is a she lovely woman demands. in yes. her prime okay who has open to her 100% of the people in that She needs act. lots of stages. Got it. So, you know, she is not easily impressed. And she seemed to have had the time of her life with Larry Dave, from what I saw. So, you know, I don't think two is doing that for Miss Jane Cohen over here. I think Larry was, you know, at the peak of anyone's performance. Mm. Yeah. All right. So and that's why gonna, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We're going to agree to disagree here. I, I just, I, I don't think that, the, I think that Larry invents a false version of viagra for the purpose of the joke of the episode but you you don't seem to have that issue so no i think this is what viagra does to yeah. someone who, do, who doesn't have ed issues but yeah but but but, but if he all right okay I, I, so it, there's only one way to know let's take you let's take the pill and find out 
Um, all right. I, I, I think I should like, uh, do I need consent for that? Probably, right? From, from your sexual partner or from your doctor? <laughs> for both, probably, right? <laughs> I think well, you yeah, need a prescription. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you could find someone who has it without a prescription, but yeah. Probably. All right. I don't let's, know. Let's well, we're, not gonna, we're, we're not going to do this. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's, let's no, but, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, thought, you, I oh. thought you were forcing me to. Okay, no, I, I'm not really I, I, don't, I don't really care to. How about we'll just, you know, read more about it? Sure. Okay, fine. We can probably find out the answer. Listeners, let us know. And you can let us <laughs> know anonymously. I don't care. But I am curious. Yeah. I feel like Jim Crumbly knows about this. <laughs> <laughs> not for that reason. He just wow. knows things. No, he knows. Oh, just because he knows everything about everything. Yeah. He, like, oh, knows I thought things. you were calling him old. Oh. No, well, he is. But not, that's not <laughs> what I meant when I said it. He's I also like, I like, think he's like five years older than us. Yeah, no, that, I mean, just because he's joke. mature and accomplished doesn't make him old. I have that joke with him always that like I yes, act yes. like he's old and he's like two yeah, years yeah. older. Yeah, yeah. So but also, he knows a lot of like sciencey things. Oh, that's okay, what I meant. Right. All right, okay, good recovery. Okay, <laughs> not a recovery. No, that's what I, I meant. I know, I know, I know. I'm teasing you. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. We love you, Jim. <laughs> Go, Jim. Blue Jared. Um, okay, fine. Jane's apartment. And as we said, Jane is blown away. She's saying that was amazing. She lies in bed. Larry's getting dressed. Um, and Larry goes on to say, the penis is an extraordinary thing, Jane. And that's what you will get on a consistent basis with me. And Jane, Jen, uh, Jane can't even move. Uh, Larry's like, should we do it again on Friday? Jane says, let's make it Thursday. And, but Larry's uh, you know, surprised. He's like, oh, I thought you had plans on Thursday. And Shane's like, nah, I'll cancel those. No big deal. Too bad for that person, Larry says. Yeah. Um, there was another time that we did where they had that where I, I couldn't remember what it was. Where yeah, it like, they talk about really. like like Larry's talking about like that person, like don't, but like he is that person, like that they're gonna blame that person for something. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's ringing a bell, but I can't place it. But it's like he told somebody or something. Maybe is it with Wanda? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But Maybe. this goes back to what I was just complaining about. Like this idea that Jane would tell Rosie that she was dumping him because of Larry had such a superior sexual performance. To me, that just makes no sense in any world. It seems um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if she had a she had amazing sex with him. She might be like, all right, that settles it. Like, I'm going to stick with this guy who just gave me the best but sex also, of my life. But it's not just, but we will discover again when Rosie then accuses Larry, I've known you for all these years. Are you juicing? Like, like Rosie told, um, told Rose, excuse me, Jane told Rosie, the reason I am dumping you is because Larry is such a sexual dynamo. Right. That's why she's suspicious. Yeah. No, but I'm saying juicing. the fact that Jane would tell Rosie that is kind of surprising. Um, you know, maybe Rosie does. Has anyone no ever broken up with you telling you the other person that I'm sleeping with is just so good <laughs> in bed that I have to go with them? That specific thing has not happened. To yes, me I feel like you would just say to the, you, you, yeah, I don't feel like Jane would you make you make up a different excuse. Yeah, but, no, but Rosie, I could see her not taking no for an answer. She wants to know the real answer. Hmm. Yeah, okay. She knows what she's being lied to. Yeah, that's true. You say that and they know you're telling the truth. Yeah, that, that is true. Yes. <laughs> like that'll, that'll end it. Like she's like, okay, yeah. It is you, it. but it's so much more. Papier mache. <laughs> Pretentious. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld, that's a good show. Yeah. <laughs> we should do a Seinfeld podcast next. Okay, fine. We should maybe should we do a podcast about um Robin Akiva's podcast? 
Yeah, remember when we were going to do a podcast about a podcast about a podcast about cereal yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we won't even watch the episode of Seinfeld. No, only listen to the podcast. We'll just listen yeah. and we'll podcast about the podcast. Yeah. Not bad. That sounds, that sounds like a shitty podcast. <laughs> That's funny for as an idea. It's like a lot of a, a lot of like the headlines on The Onion at this point are like a very funny headline, but then yes. like there's not an article worth of joke. That's, I mean, I feel like that's always, almost always the case. There yeah. are some great ones where the really well written beginning to end, but most of that, very rare. It's ninety percent of the joke is yes. the headline. Yes, but also like that's very good. Like that's oh, it's, it's very, a very good joke. Yeah, just, yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they do. The onion is like so consistently funny. Um, but yeah, there. Yeah, I, I think the onion is past its prime. <laughs> but every now and then, you still. Uh, you still get some nuance and there's always some old oldies, but goodies. Well, I do like, I follow them on Twitter because again, Twitter's perfect for them. It's one line. Yeah. Joke. Right. Yes. It's, it is made exactly for them. Yeah. <laughs> that must be a fun room to work in. Like the people that just sit around like pitching jokes for the onion Twitter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, yeah. Fun way to spend the day. I, it could get grading after like four days. Um, so yeah. So Larry um, heads up to kiss uh, Jane goodnight, but then he thinks better of it and starts undressing uh, with an expiring face. So you see, this is what I'm getting at. He's like, going I, back for round two, but is he going for round two or is he showing that he's willing or to is he snuggle? Going, or is he going for round six? No, I don't yeah. think he's going to snuggle. I think he's going back for another round. Yeah, I've never understood this idea, you know, popular in pop culture, that as soon as you, uh, you know, finish, you want to evacuate the premises. Well, you've already evacuated the premises. So. Yeah, stay and spend the night, and then you can evacuate some more premises. Um, I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, if you have deep regret for what you've just done, if it's a person you never want to see again, fine. But like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. You know, it's better like, than having sex one I time. Get, having sex more than one time. Well, I don't think it's assumed that you're going to have sex again. And in that situation, some people like to they want to like you know go home. If like if it's not someone that you like care about, I guess. If you had a good time, you can have some more good time. <laughs> You're just like, I know there's no girl in my bed at home. Here yeah, there is exactly. one. Exactly. Here there's a here's a possibility of more good times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm I wasn't one to uh to skedaddle too quickly. Yeah. Um but, in the uh rare instance but where in pop, I, but in I pop culture, it's always like the assumed thing, you know. Um, it is an assumed trope that the man wants to get yes. out of there, get out of yeah. Dodge as soon as possible. Yeah. Because um, men hate commitment and even staying overnight would be too committed. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we do hate commitment. I, I know. Commitment is rough. I have to keep my options open. <laughs> um, yeah, there were no other options. Um, so, yeah. Where are we? We're at the park. Yeah, um, yeah, Larry just finished his night of incredible performance. Yeah, so um, Larry heads to the park and he sees a group of Japanese tourists in the park and one of them bumps into the other and knocks over his ice cream cone and he then turns to him and apologizes and gives a very deep bow. Very deep <laughs> and Larry bow. runs over because he is fascinated. He says, what is this? What did you do? You just gave him this deep bow. And he says, that's what, that means I'm very sorry. Do a big bow. He's very sorry. And Larry says, that's interesting. I just got an apology from a Japanese man the other day. And he gave me just like a little bow, like down, like, you know, 30 degrees. And the Japanese tourist says, oh, that man, uh, he was very dismissive of you. 
Um, that's a, uh, a little bit of a shit bow. <laughs> he was not apologizing at all. And Larry is completely shocked. He gave me a shit bow. Uh, no bow would be better than that bow. Is what everyone agrees. Uh, this is a, he, meant, he meant to insult you. Like you, you uh, it's interesting that it's better than no bow at all. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really <laughs> a lot of editorializing here from these guys. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you never this just give like, a rushed bow. Also, this seems like there could be like subject to some cultural difference. Like I don't necessarily think that every person in Japan bows yes. exactly the same way. Like, yes, whether you're from the north part of Japan or the south part of Japan, like mm-hmm. there might be different cultures of you know what the bowing is. Um, but uh, yeah, right. Like, they're like they're they're very confident that this man was insulted by her. Um, so yeah, even right. So Larry even like he gives them a, a nice bow to thank them for for all their help. So we, uh, we head over for another baseball game, and Larry is about to get up to bat when Rosie tells him that Jane canceled their date to the Tonys. Larry pretends to be surprised. Of course, we know he already knows this. Yes. And, you know, look, as you said, like, Rosie is just very suspicious. Something doesn't figure, you know, I've known so many women in your past, and no one has ever mentioned anything about you being anything in that. So every time Rosie was talking to someone who was dating Larry, she was in small talk to medium talk and saying, tell me about the sex. <laughs> no. Um, I think that when somebody performs the way that Larry seems to have with Jane, that's the type of thing that would get mentioned. Yeah. Okay. If someone's just like a regular whatever, yeah, we like, you know, yeah. fool around a little bit and then we have sex for two minutes and then we go to sleep, mm. then, um, you know, there's nothing to talk about. Mm. But if it's like, oh, like this old man came over to my house and like <laughs> we had sex for nine hours. Uh, it is noteworthy the age. Yeah. Yeah. It's noteworthy. Yeah. Yeah, um, all right. I'm editorializing myself. I'm editing myself here. <laughs> um, right, I don't care. Yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you something. So, um, Jen, Jen has a friend who married a guy who's a little bit older than her. Yeah. And so, um, one time she was talking to Jen and she was confiding, and she said to Jen, "Has Alex ever, you know, you've wanted to, whatever?" And um, and he wasn't able to. And Jen paused and she says. I don't know, maybe like once or something. And I was so mad at her when she was telling me the story. I'm like, what's that never happened once? Why would you lie? And she's like, she's telling me she's confiding to me about her husband's erectile dysfunction and she's so upset and she asked me if it ever happened. What was I supposed to say never? I'm like, yes, I was supposed to say never. Like, why are you defending me here? So yeah. besides, you were in the pool. Yeah. So if yes, I was in the pool. So if Jen's friend happens to be listening to this podcast and never spoke to her about that, know that when Jen said it happened once, that she's a lie. That was a lie. That's a lie. You're the one who married the old man and you have only yourself to blame. Lie oh, me beans, lie me beans. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Um, all right. So you have a zero, zero on the score card for yes. Alex Chester. I, um, I have never turned her down. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with zero as well. I yeah, think, uh, I haven't had that particular issue, you know. Yes. I'm, I'm not gonna claim to be a uh a man of high prowess no. in any regard, but that particular issue My is one not, policy uh, is yes, uh, you I, I will always be available on demand. Yeah. Yeah. My other thing is that I have good hair. I have, or I have a, at least I have a lot of hair. It keeps growing back in, in large quantities, yeah. um, which a lot of people our age seem to already uh, have struggles with. Yeah, so, yeah quite, what, solid, quite, quite, yeah. A, quite a head of hair there. Oh, and I have to get haircuts a lot because yeah. it gets very long. I have yeah. like. And, and no gray unlimited. either. Very yeah, bright. That's right. I have I have a uh, nice colored hair and Very I have cool. like unlimited amounts of it. Like, yeah. like I grow I grow in like a day, but like some people grow in a lifetime. And now you just get a cut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it will be such forever. I will never have this issue. Yeah. Uh, but I have other issues. <laughs> so but yeah, you gotta you gotta cherish what you got. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so so Ro- Rosie is very uh, very suspicious. She wants to allow him to tell him tell her what she is what he's doing. Yeah. <coughs> and then Larry quotes <laughs> Rafael Palmero to Congress, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, he says, I'm just eating right, working out. She just, uh, she cuts right to the issue. Are you juicing, Larry? And Larry strongly denies it. But, La- but Rosie does, uh, she doesn't buy it. She claims, I know you too long and something is not added up. Uh, Larry gets up to bat and the crowd is cheering. Okay, let's go, Larry. Jeff cheers. The pitcher throws the ball and Larry swings. And it's a deep fly ball to left field. And that ball is out of here. Yeah. Now, again, th- there's no way that this blue pill would cause this to happen either. So, <laughs> well, that I will agree. With. That, okay, that, 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 there I'm with you. There's no reason why. But I think I think that whatever. there might be just a placebo effect, which is that by taking that this pill, yeah, Larry got the confidence to perform for a younger woman that he didn't otherwise have. And with that confidence, yeah. he was able to perform better on the base paths and in the bedroom. Right. And, the, uh, you know, that's possible. I'm um, a big I believer do, in placebo I, effect, by the way. I, I agree there is an, a placebo effect uh, that exists. Um, I do think he also took Viagra and that caused him to have a, an erection for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> that okay. was very uh, beneficial to his sexual partner. All I know about Viagra is that it enables you to take a bath side by side with someone else in a separate bath outside. <laughs> Nothing more romantic. Yeah. Honey, let's, 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 let's put a bath in the backyard. No, no, let's put two baths. <laughs> I don't want to take a bath with you, which is next to you in a separate bath. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. Yeah. So Larry hits a homer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, this is a weird scene. Oh, meanwhile, on the, on the other side of the park, <laughs> Duckstein walks alone because yes. he has no, he doesn't have Larry as his lunch partner to a bench in the park to have his lunch. And there's a stranger that's already there. The stranger looks at him and walks away. Yeah, of course. Because he's a fucking maniac. <laughs> would want to die in, in the proximity of Duckstein. Why, um, why is Duckstein in New York? He's here to approach strangers in the park. Maybe he uh, didn't want to go to Tesla's events also. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, that's like, this is what I go back to with uh, in that episode. It's like, this is why like you don't leave... LA to like get away from Tesla. Like there's just gonna be like a different Tesla in New York. <laughs> yeah. I mean Duckstein really is a Tesla, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's worse than Tesla, honestly. Yeah. The, 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 there's Duckstein's and Teslas everywhere you go. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's like stay yeah, in your you, house. You, you might think you're halfway across the country, but they'll find you. If they want just a way like, to find you, yeah. Just like either go to the event or just like tell Tesla to go fuck himself. Like, don't yeah. go live in New York. He, he has no months. shame here telling Duxton to go fuck himself. Why didn't he just tell Tesla to go fuck himself in L.A.? Yeah, I guess maybe because like Tesla's more like in his circles with work a little bit, yeah. it seems. The yeah, last time he saw Tesla, he was spreading rumors about. Listen, him I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I was I was the first yes. one to say, why yeah. does he give a shit what Tesla thinks? Like, just tell yeah. Tesla to fuck off the first time. Like, he's yeah. like, he, he doesn't matter. Like, you're not friends with him. Hmm. Is it time for um, us to discuss Roy White? I think it almost is. Um, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, so yeah, so Duxin unpacks his lunch and he starts choking and he can't breathe and he tries to do the Heimlich maneuver on himself. (laughs) Um, which if only Larry had been there, of course, uh, we would have, you know, been no problem. And he, uh, he drops to the floor. Seemingly maybe Duxin died. We're left, we're led to believe at this point in the episode. Yes. (laughs) Um, We don't head to commercial. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, Larry and Jeff are taking a walk on the street. I lo- I do love the just like the walking on the streets of Manhattan. 
Yes. Like, it, yes. We always said like it didn't make sense when we see them in LA because no one yeah. does that. But now that they're back in the city, it's great. It like, makes sense. Yes. It's like you see like a different version of Curb where like it could have worked in New York. Yeah. And like this is what it would look like. Or you just like, see Seinfeld. Look- yeah. In the next decade. <laughs> Correct. I mean, yes, it's it's definitely you know that that element of it as well. But um, it's except like, yeah, this it's this really looks more New York than like the Hollywood uh, backlot where they were filming "quote unquote" New York in Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, this is New York, so yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it looks, totally more, looks yes. legit. Um, so yeah, so Larry and Jeff take a walk, and Jeff is telling Larry about what happened, and of course how Larry could have saved him with his uh, Heimlich skills, and Larry feels horrible. Um, Jeff wants to know about the date and Larry tells him it was great um, and how she's even blown off with Tony's with Rosie to go with me to Cooperstown and Jeff just like can't believe it wow it's unbelievable it's amazing um, and Jeff compares um, Larry's relationship with Jane to that of uh, yours and myself as I uh, mentioned at the top of the episode um, seeing Jane as being similar to being in a relationship with a great guy who happens to have a vagina and knows the statistics of what Roy White hit in 1971 yeah. Now, this is such a random reference for Jeff. Jeff is a Chicago guy. So, this is so niche. Yeah. So Jeff is a Chicago Cubs fan in 1971. He's a nine year old in Chicago. Why would he know what the Yankees left fielder hit? He should. It's yeah, I, I, I had not sure I could have told you anything about Roy White before okay. I looked him up earlier today. OK, so Roy. So first of all, the answer in 1971 is that Roy White hit 292, which is the second best of his career. But yeah. more importantly, because batting average was not how you defined Roy White. He was an on-base machine. He led the league in walks the next year. In 1971, he had a 388 on-base percentage, which, which especially in the depressed era is really good. Uh, he had a career-high 149 OPS plus for 6.7 war, according to baseball. 6.7 war, 14 steals, yeah. 19 home runs. Fant- I mean, but this is a guy who was in his career must have been very underrated because most of his value was an on-base percentage, which was not appreciated at the time. He's a corner outfielder who never won a gold glove, hit 20 home runs just once in his career, never batted 300 and, and, and playing in, in the era of the highest stolen bases of all time, top 20, top 20 steals just twice. So his entire value was basically the fact that he got on base you know, 240 times right. a year. Which, which nobody realized was valuable. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I respect Jeff for the selection. But it's just so random because in 1971, nobody really appreciated Roy White and certainly not a Cubs fan. Why would you be following like the court? It just it's a very strange reference for uh, for Jeff here. Yeah. Um, but but like you, didn't even, you, you didn't even mention the most interesting thing about his 1971 season. OK, what is that? Which is that he set the American League record for most sacrifice flies in a season with 17. Mm, yes. A number that remains to this day the American League record. I did not know that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Done. Um, the record is held by the overall record is held by Gil Hodgins, I think 19 and Andre oh, Dawson the, had 18. Bobby Bonilla also had 17, but those are, those were all all in the national league. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So a lot of sacrifice flies there. And of course those don't hurt your on-base percentage either. Right. Mm. Right. Okay. So yeah. so yeah. So an on-base machine, a man before his time. I mean, again, for a guy who played quarter outfield, never won a gold glove, 20 home runs once. The fact that he has like, what is he, a 45 career war or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I saw that right away. I was like, really? He, he was like a 50 war guy. That's crazy. I, yeah. I barely have heard of this guy. Yeah. If he played in art, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, his name just went out of my mind. He was a corner outfielder for the Phillies for years. I think he has like 58 career war. He actually ended his career on the Yankees. Um, oh, Bobby Abreu? Um. No, is it a Brave? Is that what I'm thinking of? 
Abreu was on the Phillies for a while, then ended on the Yankees at some point. Yeah, but did, let me let me see Bobby. And Abreu. he was very and he was very good for quite some time. Did, did, if he has fifty eight career WAR, that's what I'm thinking of. I think that is what I'm thinking of. Um, show me fifty eight. 60.2. Yes, that's what I was thinking of. Thank you. That's yeah. close enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was a really good player. Yeah, but um, although actually his career average is 291. So he was actually a much better hitter than I realized. But yeah, but he was, but his most of his value was on base, 395 on base, which makes up for the fact that, yeah, he, he doesn't have, you know, a ton of anything, but um, because he's on base so many times, but he'll never make the Hall of Fame because, you know, 2,500 hits and 1,500 walks gets you nowhere. If right. you 500 more walks, fewer walks and 500 more hits, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, to be fair, if he had 500 more hits, he'd also be like a 330 career hitter. So, yeah. Where does uh, where does Roy White rank on your uh, all-time charts? Oh, I should have. Uh, let's go to the videotape here. Okay. In my corner outfielder rankings of all time, Roy White is... My number, wait, what? My number 39 left fielder. One spot behind Moises Alou and one spot, two spots behind Daryl Strawberry. All right. That's, that's, a, that's, so, a, that's a good player. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a very good player. Um, yeah. Um, it's um, in, that, in that section, we have, we have Albert Bell, Chuck Klein, who's in the Hall of Fame, Ryan Braun, George Foster, Bobby Beach, Juan Gonzalez, Daryl Strawberry, yeah. Moises Alou, yeah, Roy White, Babe Herman, David Justice, and Nelson did, Cruz. Did Roy White ever get any like Hall of Fame traction? Like, yeah, no, did he, he get he, votes? He got like, I, nothing. I think he got a few votes, but I don't think he got very many. Because again, like on base percentage wasn't valued at the time. Right. Right. Um, let me see. What what was his Hall of Fame voting? Um he was on the ballot in 1985 and then was off the ballot after 1985. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Came and he went. How much? All right. Yes. We hardly knew you. Yeah. All right. Best of all, he beat Rosie. Mm-hmm. So we head back to the Japanese restaurant and Larry goes uh, to pick up his new order and sees that the restaurant manager is packing it up himself. And he goes and he shows Larry how he's tightly securing his order with staples and tape. And Larry asks, you know, can you flip it over one more time just to test it? And he's very impressed. And Larry says, you know, I do still have one more issue. Um, and he tells him how, you know, he met these Japanese tourists in the park the other day. They told him that he had given him a shit bow. And the manager does not agree. He says a bow is a bow, yeah. uh, which I think is kind of right. Um, and Larry tells him, no, your bow wasn't authentic. And they, they you know, they start to argue about whether the, man, the manager understands the rules of bowing. And Larry says conclusively, the bow that you gave me was a shit bow, and I do not accept it. Um, you know, maybe I'll have to go research a little bit more about the bows, but as of now, I'm saying you gave me a shit bow. Yeah. Um, you know, the restaurant manager is saying, like, you know, there are other restaurants, you know, maybe you could try one of them, but Larry's like, no, I like the food here. Um, so the manager apologizes and give him a deep bow, which Larry compliments and now accepts. And Larry says, you know, I'm still going to do some more research um, because I'm really, I, you know, I want to know what the situation is with the bows. He yeah. said he, will, he, won't, he won't let it go. And he, he says, you do your research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so we head back home to Larry's apartment and Larry comes into the living room and finds Leon on the phone. He's telling somebody about how he's living so large. He just had a croissant filled with motherfucking champagne. And Larry tells Leon that he needs some more blue pills because he's got a date with Jane in two hours. And Leon says, sorry, man, I'm out. Um, you got to go solo. And Larry's like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Um, Jane is accustomed to, you know, super Larry from the other night or from the last couple nights. Um, I don't think she's going to be uh, too happy with the drop-off she gets from regular Larry. Um, she, I was like, yeah, man, you know what? I think you're right. Like, you can't go into this fuck fight without a goddamn weapon. That's mm-hmm. like walking out with a jump rope hanging from your pants. Yeah. And Larry is just, like, really frustrated, doesn't know what to do. And Leon suggests, you know, you can go down to Washington Square Park and maybe you buy some there. Yeah. Now, Washington Square Park is a, one of the bougiest places in New York, but they make it look like the uh, shadiest place in New York in this scene. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah, so he goes, uh, maybe like sits down to exit. It's like really shady guy with like, we don't know, is this like, is this his girlfriend? Is this a prostitute? Is this someone who he's just like getting sexual favors from in exchange for drugs? He's very know. old. You have to explain that. Part. Yeah, he's very old with a very young girl. It's, he's basically um, like a poor man's Hugh Hefner. Literally. Yeah, yeah, it's a very weird situation. This uh, this guy is David Canary from. He was on All My Children, which uh, was the other show that was watched in my house in addition to L.A. Law. It was L.A. Law and All My Children. Oh, really? Oh, that's so, like, that, that's what like all the tapes in my house all said L.A. Law and All My Children. That's um, and he was like he was like one of the main characters, so I feel like recognize him from that. Oh wow, that's very funny. Yeah, um, he was actually drafted by the Denver Broncos in the 1960 draft. Mm, was he juicing? Uh, um, I don't know if he was at the time, but he uh, he did not go pro. He uh, went into acting and I would say that probably worked out well. Yeah, if he's on curb like 50 years later, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, like in 1960, he probably wasn't making money uh, playing football so much. He probably did better for himself as an actor. Um, so yeah, so Larry you know, sits down next to him. He's like, hey, do you have any stuff? The man asks for money. And he gives him two pills, and Larry's very disappointed that's only two pills for the amount of money they gave him. But the guy tells him to beat it, get the fuck out of here. Um, and Larry, no, I don't understand. If, if Larry has a jump rope between his legs, as uh, Leon was saying, like Larry knows doctors. Like you can get a prescription called in and go down to CVS and pick it up in 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, why does he have to go to Washington Square Park and ask like this creepy Hugh <laughs> Hefner guy? So, I mean, so maybe what Leon's giving him is a Viagra. It's like some like street version of Viagra with something uh, else on it. Like, well, this, with, the, okay. So uh, this might explain. So, yeah. Okay. Well, so maybe that explains why his performance is so epic. Yeah. He's on mushrooms. So he like just thinks everything's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you, how do you think Larry did this drug deal compared to when he bought drugs from Hurley? Yeah. Well, there he got a bunch of swag. We said, right. <laughs> yeah. Here. I think he at least got the right stuff. I mean, it's it worked. He performed. So, yeah, he was that de- he definitely was much more confident here. Like in, with Hurley, he like he was like very like, yeah. oh, I, well, oh, this is a, this oh. is another old white guy with 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 penis problems. So this is like a man after his own, t- you know. Yeah. Also, it's right. He's like it's like eye on the prize. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm trying to get like some medicine for my dad here. It's like, I need yeah, here he's much or... more motivated. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, um, OK, we're going to head to uh, Cooperstown with Larry. And with Jane. And let's see how their date there goes together. All right, I got one. Okay. Who holds the record for most postseason home runs? 
Most postseason home runs. Come on, Jane. What are you, what are you doing? Give me a test. Run, Bernie Williams. Eh, wrong, Manny. 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 Whoa. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry. I took your your, your shoe no, right it, off. No, it's there. fine. Are you really sorry? Y yes. Really? Yes. Okay, then give me a bow. I don't know if I'm bow sorry. No, I need bow sorry. Or I'm not forgiving you. Really? Yeah. You want the bow? I do. Jane. Larry. You got it. <laughs> uh, whoa, he dropped something. What is this? Are you juicing? No, no. Look, it, it's not for performance. It, it, it's just for recovery Bullshit, time. Larry. No, seriously. I, are you kidding? I could put up those numbers anytime. You think anybody else could do what I do just by taking one of those pills? I, I have skills. <laughs> hey, what, what, what are you doing? Where's, where's my ticket? What about the Hall of Fame? You're not getting in. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. I was just leveling the playing field. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it's very funny but it makes no fucking sense whatsoever like why would she care if he's taking viagra um, it's enabling right. him to perform what the hell does she care yeah i agree with well, that. why does he carry uh, the pill loose in his breast pocket none of this makes any sense i i definitely agree with that but i also would acknowledge that it's pr it probably could still be a thing that people would like irrationally care about i mean terrible people who are shaming people for their medical conditions Sure, Spoiler but alert, also like yeah. people, when it comes to like sexual desire, people have like weird like things. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to survey a larger audience, but yeah, if someone is giving you very good sex, would you be upset to discover that they take Viagra? That's a that's a valid question. Uh, somebody uh, like a sixty five year old man, by the way, or whatever Larry is here. Yeah, no, I would have no problem with it. Yes, um, you know, do whatever it takes to do your best. Yeah, exactly. I say yes. Um, by the way, I, I feel the same way for baseball be, players as well. But I could see how it could be like this weird, like non-masculine thing for some people. Yeah, but yeah, but but it, it, which, it, I, it also, which I agree is stupid. But. It goes to the question of is he using it because like does he actually need it, or you know what I mean? Does he need it for the medically prescribed reason, or is it some kind of magical elixir that actually just you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I hear. I hear. Um, do you know who? Uh, so yeah, so Manny and Bernie Williams are at the top two. Um, do you do you want to guess with a active career postseason home run? Leader? So I know I remember that David Justice had this record for a while because he had been on yeah. the Braves and the Indians and the Yankees. He was like always in the playoffs in the nineties. I don't um, see him in the top. I have at the top five, so he's not in the top five anymore. Okay, but I think he had it up until like a until a one or something like that. That, that makes sense because he played a ton of playoff games. Yeah. Um, so who's the active leader? Manny Ramirez is still number one, and Bernie Williams is still number two. Okay. Um, the active leader in postseason home runs is it Pujols? Pujols is number four. He's tied. So he's tied with number four, who with the other active leader. Um, so number three is Jeter with twenty. Okay. Jeter had seven hundred thirty-four postseason playoff appearances. That's a lot. Okay. So crazy. All right. So am I missing anybody or? So th that's four that then tied with Pujols and with 19 is the other active guy. Mm. If you want to guess, it's another active player. Active player tied with Pujols with 19 home runs. And I'll tell you, he has 292 
postseason plate appearances. That's not so many. So 19, that's pretty good. Um, could it be like maybe like Jose Altuve? I don't know. You're on the right Astros, track. Astros have been in a lot of playoff games. You're on the right track. Right track. Oh, didn't George Springer have like five home runs in like one series? Maybe I'm going to say George Springer. George Springer, 19. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh, anything else? How many, how many did like Reggie Jackson have, Mr. October? Uh, I think he was next. I, I didn't write down beyond that. So then David Justice. Okay. So maybe David Justice had the most postseason hits or something. Can't be home runs because you said Reggie Jackson has more than him. Um, Reggie Jackson is sixth, tied with Mickey Mantle and Jose Altuve. Mickey Mantle. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Okay. So it was, David, jo- David Justice. It was, Mickey Mant- it was Mickey Mantle forever. Oh, okay. All right. So Justice was like, been... no, there was only the World Series. Yeah. But he just hit. Yeah. He, but he went to the World Series like 11 years in a row. Yeah. 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 He had 18 home runs and they were all in the World, all the World Series. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. We can move on. Okay. All right. Jared's annoying. He wanted us to go deeper into baseball. Okay. Here. Okay. David Justice, I'm not looking. So David Justice has the fourth most played appearances in the playoffs ever. Mm. Um, I'm looking at his postseason numbers here. Um, sixth in runs, ninth in hits, eighth in total bases, um, tenth in doubles, third in RBIs. Okay, so he must have retired number one in something else. Uh, yeah, because he, he was on the Braves, then the Indians, then the Yankees, right? Yes, yeah. Ridiculous. And, Third, then, and, he, was, and he was on the A's, like their playoff years also, like somehow. This is kind yeah. of fun. Win probability added career. You want to guess win probability added for postseason careers? I don't, even, I don't even know the stat well enough to know what, what a good guess So win is. probability is each time you come to bat, what is the percentage chance that right. the team is going to win before the at bat and after the bat? So, so it should be very, very low number. <laughs> yeah. So if you, so if if your at bat increases your team's chance of winning from fifty to seventy five, you get zero point two five WPAs, for example. Okay. So all right, I'll just say so. David David Ortiz, is the career <laughs> leader. David Ortiz is the career leader. Okay. Albert Pujols is two. Pete Rose is five. Which uh, mm. yeah, and Lou Gehrig is seven. Not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Lou Gehrig is seven with only 150 plate appearances. Everyone else here is like, you know, in the 200s and 300s. So yeah, Lou Gehrig was very good at the playoffs. It's it's fun to see some of these names because like David Freeze is on this list with 2.1. Well, I think he got like 0.8 of it in like that one at bat, you know. In right. Six of the World Series. Um, George Springer's here with 2.4. He must have had like half that of that one game I talked about or whatever. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's. Uh, I wonder what the what the what the all time high for wins probably added in a game is. Because it's it's mathematically possible to get more than 1.0, right? If you if you bat like with your team down in the bottom of the ninth and hit like a grand slam, and then and then the other and then you do it like twice more in extra innings or something. All right, I want to know this. All right, so we do that uh, offline. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fine. That's fair. All right, everyone, listen quietly as Alex <laughs> googles how to do something with math. Yes. All right, so uh, Larry heads over to the emergency room to see Duckstein, and he tells him how he feels terrible. You know, I thought I should come see you. And Duckstein says, "Don't worry about it. Forget the past. If you, I'm ready to move on. Whatever brought you here is the beginning of a friendship." Duckstein is like desperate to be friends with Larry David. Um, a nurse interrupts Duckstein, brings in some lunch, and Duckstein says, oh, can you bring some lunch for my friend Larry as well? Um, he begrudgingly accepts it, and Larry says, you see, we're having lunch after all. It's fate. I hope it's the beginning of many, many, many 
lunches together. Yes. And the episode comes to a conclusion. Yes, with Duxton singing about Salisbury steak. He's worse than Tesla, as you said. Yeah, he's worse than Tesla. All right, Av. Well, uh, how do you rate this episode? Um, I will give this episode a pretty, 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 pretty good. Uh, that's three and a half pretties. Um, I think it is it is not sensational. So like I didn't even consider it for like a really high tier. Um, as I said last week, I'm basically starting them at three for the uh, New York episodes. I just love I just love seeing this in New York. I think it, it just like t- it just really tickles me in uh, such a wonderful way. So um, and I think this uh, I really like the extended baseball stuff. Um, I think they do a really good job with it. Um, and it really pays off at the end with the final scene of the Hall of Fame really works really well. So like it's, it was, you know, the juice turns out to be uh, worth the squeeze. Um, some really great Leon moments and Duckstein, while horrible, is a very memorable character. And um, the whole like vacation friends dynamic is an interesting thing that I don't think I've seen other people explore really. So um, yeah, overall, I think it's like an above average episode. Definitely not amazing, but I think above average. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, as high on this episode as you are. I, I will say there's a lot of Seinfeldian vibes to this episode, or maybe just because we're in New York. Like we, we ending the episode in, in a New York City hospital, something Seinfeld does, softball in the park, of course. To me, like this was the episode of the season when I sort of realized, oh, so they're in New York, but there's no like specific arc to the season like we had with like the restaurant right. and the play and the blocks and the Seinfeld reunion and like, to me, it's a, it's a little bit sad. It's just sort of like a basically a bunch of unconnected episodes. And it's also kind of weird that it takes me to the seventh episode of the season to realize it. But I did sort of realize that. And like, I do like the main storyline here. Uh, Rosie, I thought is very good. You know, I like baseball. Uh, Jane is Jewish and loves to have sex and watch baseball. Like, you know, Jared would say that she's my perfect woman. Um, but Duckstein, he's, he's, as we said, even worse than Tesla. Um, and part of the problem, I think, with this New York episode or the, all these New York episodes, and thank goodness that we have Leon here, but like Larry's just carrying too much of the burden without his buddies to help him out. Like we got a little bit of Jeff, we got a little bit of Leon, but we need I don't know if it's Richard or the funk man or Ted or who we need. But I just feel like there's like too much on Larry's plate, like Larry's sort of going everywhere, doing everything. I will say last week I pointed out that Screen Rant rated last week's episode number seven all time. And I didn't really mm-hmm. understand that complex.com ranks this episode as number seven all time there you go yeah um times 10 i rank it as number 70 one spot behind the acupuncturist i do like larry's dismissal of duckstein um i do like the japanese waiter i like rosie i like jane um so i give a half a pretty for each of those four items and that adds up to a pretty pretty good two pretties for me yeah, I have it as my uh, 37th ranked episode. Okay, yeah, so you're uh, twice as high in it as I am. Uh, come with guy, come with gal. I have Rosie. Rosie's great in this episode. I, I have no complaints with Rosie O'Donnell. What about you? Um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a two rate person race for me between Rosie and Leon. Um, but I figured I was with you. I had to go with Rosie. We're going to get, you know, still many more chances for Leon. Um, but yeah, you got Rose, you got a chance with Rosie O'Donnell. You give her to come with Gal and hope that she comes back again. Uh, yeah, her the dynamic with Larry is great. As, as I said last week, like having Larry with someone who can like go toe to toe with him, where he's not like punching down on a waiter. Um, I think just like adds a dynamic that makes Larry David funnier in a lot of ways because it's like less cringy. 
So yeah. I, I really enjoy these uh, rivalries. Yeah, we so we both gave it to Rosie in season seven, episode five, which was Denny's handicap. We both give it to her here now. And so all of a sudden she vaults with two full um, uh, come with guy points. She vaults into a tie with Marty Funkhauser for seventh place. Oh, wow. That's pretty were, cool. were either of them even in the come with guy bracket? I don't think so. Right. Oh, we, we didn't. We excluded those people. Right. Well, we certainly excluded Marty. But Rosie yeah. at the time, I guess, had just been in that one episode or had she even been in that one episode when we did it? I forget. I'm not sure. Doing. But yeah, I think we I think we made a rule like maximum two episodes. Yeah. Because we didn't want to like have like. Yeah, it's know, unfair. Regulars compete. Compete. Yeah. OK. OK, so who is your uh, fucking asshole? The fucking asshole's got to be Duckstein here. Uh, just like absolutely relentless. Will not leave this guy alone. He just want, he doesn't want to have lunch with you. Just like he told you that in LA. He's telling you that in New York. He probably told you it in London and in Miami Beach sometime. Like leave the guy alone. Like he, how many times does he have to say it to your face? Um, the only the horrible thing that happened this episode is that he was saved and was, you know, didn't die from the, <laughs> from the sandwich. Yeah. Um, that at least would have, the episode would have ended on a high note. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial here. Uh, Duckstein to me is like too annoying. Like he doesn't deserve it because like he doesn't even deserve like an honor, which is being the fucking asshole is an honor and he doesn't deserve it. Jane Cohn is the perfect woman into sports, into sex, everything we said, but she shames a man for taking medication. I just don't think that's right. So Jane, you're the fucking asshole here. You turn down a guy who's giving you great sex because he's taking a, like a medically prescribed drug, even if he happened to buy it from some weird guy in the park. <laughs> So, Jane, you're the fucking asshole. Uh, welcome, Larry, back. Yeah, like she, he's doing it to you know for you. Yeah, you're the you're the beneficiary here. Yeah, who cares? I, I don't understand this. I had sent you a list of all of Larry's dates. Yeah. So um, we had 16 of them, uh, which uh, would be a nice even number for you know through episode uh, through last week's episode. Now, th- so this is the 17th woman that Larry has dated on the show, and in many ways the best one. But uh, but I still call her a fucking asshole. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, she doesn't, um, you know, she's like pitting these two friends against each other. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Like she's like feeding each one just enough information to like keep them jealous, but still interested. Like I, I don't think she knows exactly what she's doing here. I mean, she seems to be having a fantastic life, so I can't fault her for that. Yeah, no, listen, she's allowed to do whatever she wants, but yeah. like I don't have to say that she's being nice. Yeah. In fact, I can say she's being an asshole. Mm, Fuck yes. the asshole it is. All right. No, we have no uh, special cameos in this episode. Uh, I mean, no new ones. Obviously, we've seen Rosie before. So uh, is it time for us to jump right into the postman? Right to the postman. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! What a shanda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry David! You you are a lousy Jew! But you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shanda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Joe! We go first off to MJC, who says, I have always loved the end of this episode and Larry getting blackballed from the Hall of Fame producing. Him evoking Raphael Palmero, Schiller of Viagra is the perfect joke for those in the know. Uh, as Y Bell is perfectly annoying as Duckstein, wish there was more of a payoff with the overly secure takeout bag. Glad to see Rosie back on the softball field and guess she went the Brandon Inge route by transitioning from third base to catcher. For the come with guy, he goes with Leon. The fucking asshole is Jane. And he gives the episode four pretties a 55 degree bow. 
That's a pretty good bow. Yeah, very good bow. Not a shit bow at all. Uh, Joshua Schmidt says, hello, gentlemen. All right, episode heralding Leon's arrival in New York. He certainly keeps the story moving. Rosie is really great in this episode, too, and I always enjoy her banter with Larry. Otherwise, the plot for me is just so-so. Come with Gal is Rosie for besting Larry. The fucking asshole is Larry for juicing. Be confident in your skills, bro. And he gives the episode two and a half curties out of five. Next up, we go to Jim Crumley, expert on all things, who <laughs> says the bisexual was a good episode, though the bowing subplot was a weaker point. Four out of five pretties. <sighs> Come with guy is Leon driving across the country in a Prius with up to seven people. Leon is back in a good form. The fucking asshole is the old Viagra pusher in the park. Um, from all my children, that guy selling drugs in the park is not a good look. <laughs> I don't know. That guy seems to be living his best life. I don't know, best life. So he's living a life. Let's say he's life. A, he's living a life, yeah. <laughs> Just barely. Yeah. He's probably 35, by the way. Right, yeah. Who the hell even knows? Yeah, that yeah. guy is not in good shape. Um, okay, we go next to Jared Jerome, who says, in the positive column, the show did a very clever job of tying in enhancing performance in the bedroom to enhancing performance on the baseball field, complete with the Rafael Pomero finger wave and Larry not getting into the literal Hall of Fame. It's crazy they traveled all the way to Cooperstown just for the one shot at the end. On the other hand, this was basically a one plot line episode, the love triangle, with the Japanese bowing stuff and especially the wannabe friend stuff just squeezed into fill time with both going nowhere. Leon coming back was also a little forced and out of place, but he was solid, if not spectacular, and any Leon always plays. Sports analysis. Just mentioned, Jeff mentions longtime Yankees, Roy White, specifically the Jane Coke Hotel. Okay, let's see. Any, let's, well, let me see if he has anything we didn't already cover. Uh, he has a lead league with 17 sack flies, 6.7 war. Most in the AL, only behind future Yankee Greg Nettles for position players. Not bad, not bad at all. Are you telling me Jane Cohen knew all that? By the way, I have Roy White as the 42nd best left fielder of all time and 356th best position player overall. What say you, Alex? Um, I guess fast forward. I think we covered all that, right? Yeah, I think we did. Okay. Good job, Jared. Yeah. All right. So fast forward. You, you heard it already, I think. Unless you're listening to that order, in which case fast forward uh, 15 <laughs> minutes. I don't know. You'll find it. Yeah. Um, okay, Seinfeld connections. Larry and Leon talking about Larry's disadvantage going below the equator is reminiscent of when George tells Jerry he's never been confident doing that himself. And Jerry responds with, you just close your eyes and hope for the best. In season five, episode one, The Mango is also similar to the scene from 615, The Beard, where Elaine laments her chances of converting her gay friend to heterosexuality because how could she compete with the competition who have access to these parts 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking that episode also like has like the idea of like switching teams, which like, yeah. you know, they have, they kind of have like Jane has to like pick a team. See, yes. I don't think it works as well the other way, though, because I feel like our parts are much easier to operate than their parts. Everyone um, knows how to, everyone knows. How yeah, to operate our I mean, parts. our parts, are, our parts are pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. Very disgusting, but straightforward. <laughs> um. Okay, next uh, Seinfeld connection. He says, Larry breaks up with his wannabe friend, Duxty, like Jerry breaking up with his two wannabe friends, Joel Hornick in season one, episode four, the male on bonding, and Pat Buckles in season four, episode 14, the movie. I have no idea what either one of those are. Um, when Larry tells the host at a Japanese restaurant who doesn't want his money back and he just wants an apology for the take on this happen, reminds me of when Jerry doesn't need a dry cleaner in season one, episode five, with a stock tip to pay him back for the mini shirt just for him to admit that he shrunk it. And finally, when Larry and Jeff are having a catch in Central Park, it reminded me of when Jerry and George were having a catch in Central Park in season six, episode 24. 
the understudy. And to take it a step further, they were talking about the Tonys and Broadway, which is what Bette Midler was starring in that very episode. Finally, later, when Rosie tells the fielders to come in before Larry's home run, that's exactly what Bette did when George was batting before his home run. Yeah. How could this not be intentional? And of course, the Tonys, a Scarsdale surprise, watching the sunrise at Liza's, you get the point, all in season eight, episode 22, The Summer of George. And this is the summer of Larry in New York. Yeah, yeah, that tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think these um, references have to be intentional. Well, well, what, well, what Are I'm they intentional saying, or is it just Larry's in New York and he's like, oh, so, this is what I no, do when I'm in New York. So I say yes, and I say what based on what, we, what we've gleaned from both from our interview and just observation is that the having like the Schaefer, Berg, Mandel guys working on Curb now, I think is strongly enhancing like the like direct Seinfeld references. Yes, I agree with you. Yes. Like they came, just came off Seinfeld more recently. And like there, and like Larry David would never like remember a Seinfeld. Like that's just like the, not the way he is. But like these guys, they're like throwing in Seinfeld stuff left and right because they love Seinfeld and like they're, you know, paying off stuff for a fan like this. So yeah, I think it's, I think it, I think whereas like in earlier seasons, we were like being silly and saying like, oh, this is calling back to Seinfeld, whatever. Um, I definitely think it's, it's more on point here. Um, okay. So he says for his come with guy, not a ton of options. The way I see it, it comes down to three candidates, two front runners and a dark horse. Rosie O'Donnell was solid throughout, playing fairly and love and war. But she was not able to meet a woman's needs the way Larry, plus from reinforcements could, which is still actually pretty pathetic. So she's out. Leon is always good, but he has set the bar high for himself. He fell out of place. He felt out of place in New York and didn't deliver any gold. Or frankly, the second dose of pills when Larry needed the most. So he's out. The third candidate and our winner is the Japanese restaurant host who dealt with Larry and his full misanthropic worst multiple times, kept his school, bowed, apologized, used a stapler and tape for his takeout order without breaking a sweat. It's Japanese host in a shocker. Mm. And finally, his asshole, not finally, for his asshole of the week, he says, this race is really down to two candidates. You have good old Duckstein, who's clueless, extremely annoying, high maintenance, a pain in the ass, can't even take down a bite of New York deli sandwich without joking to that. But guess what? As far as we know, he's not against steroid users making it to Cooperstown. I'm confident that Pretty 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 Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast, is a pro-steroids podcast, and not allowing the steroids grade in is an unforgivable transgression. For this faux pas alone, Jade is not allowed in the running for Come With Guy and wins Asshole of the Week. Of this, there can be no debates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he makes a good case. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the uh, anti-steroids people. I would say we're pro-steroids. We're more like the anti-anti-steroids. Yeah, basically. I'm not, I'm as you, not as you said earlier, do whatever it takes to perform. I'm not pro-Trump. I'm merely anti-anti-anti-anti-anti. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. All right. For his ranking, he says, as mentioned, the episode is sort of one note, and despite having some funny parts, a great execution for the one main storyline, the thing I weigh the most is interconnectivity, interconnectivity in Curb, and the bisexual fails in that regard. Also, continuing to validate what I predicted, Larry's behavior is becoming more crazy and unbelievable, specifically with the way he treats Duckstein during their initial meeting. Not even Larry is that nasty. So I'll say it's a below average, but not bad episode, as I have it ranked 52nd out of 77 episodes so far, making it pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's two and a half pretties and two and a half no pretties. I feel like I've been a tough grader of late, but the show has set a certain standard, and I expect it to live up to its own greatness and the greatness of other shows. The same way guys like Bonds, Clemens, Manny, McGuire, Sosa, and Palmero felt they needed to keep up with the Joneses, Chipper and Andrew, and did so by any means necessary. Mm. 
Okay. We next go on to William Blake, who says, Hey, Alex and Av, my name is Will, and who the fuck is Tony? Is Larry banned from the Sex Hall of Fame for juicing? I think he will be banned unofficially because the voters ascribe to old, outdated modes of assessing sexual performance and impact on sex as a whole. Everyone juiced after 60. It was the Viagra era of sex. <laughs> I'm going to pull the, I lived in Japan for a year, car to confirm that the shit bow is a real thing. And this little subplot was accurate. Having said that, Larry shouldn't be being the arbiter of vows. <laughs> uh, wow, okay, that's really interesting. Um, okay, for his come with guy, he says, Leon, he brings Larry his ride to New York and pulls a Victor Conte for kicks. Fucking asshole is Jane. She doesn't grasp that performance is performance. You can't fake those. You can't take those stats away from Larry. Two and a half pretties out of five. The baseball and bowing were right at my alley, but it's middle of the road at best. We go on next to Zach Brooks, who says, I love how this one tied almost all the plot lines together. It was a funny episode, and I think the performance-enhancing metaphor worked perfectly. The only plot line that didn't tie in was the lunch with Duck's team. Well, that's a good concept. The final scene was tacked on and ruined a full five pretty episode. Four and a half for me, and fucking asshole of the week is Duck's team for ruining the score. Leon returns to ground the come with guy. And finally... We go to Olin Allen, who says, I hope that pretty, pretty, pretty good, like its sister podcast, 32 Fans, is very much producing. Is Larry and Rosie's the only softball team? Seem to be forever playing each other. <laughs> That's true. They do play multiple games. Uh, must admit, Rosie did look great in this, was continually waiting for the softball encounters to get spicier with some collisions, but was probably thinking back to Seinfeld. Great to see Leon back with his scenes being the big highlight. He gives the episode two and a half out of five. For his come with gal, he says it should be Leon, but I will go with Miss Cohen. Happy to go out with all types, regardless of gender, glasses, or baldness. As and long as they his, don't juice. <laughs> as long as they don't juice. As, even a Jew, as long as he's not a juice. Uh, but it's for his fucking asshole, the Japanese guy, who knocked the ice cream out of his colleague's head. And that is happy to be seen as the hero for the matter of his apology. Also, <laughs> fellow national by snitching to ignorant America about how impolite his mouth was. I like it. <laughs> I do like the deep cuts. Yeah, I mean, I do like you You had me at the guy who knocked over somebody else's ice cream at like a, on a hot day in Central Park, like fucking yeah. asshole. No, I mean, that like, is pretty obnoxious, yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah if I never, even if unintentional. I never pick the deep cuts for myself, but I love what other people said a bit, but I, I'm going to start looking deeper. Yeah. I, I really I like these little pulls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So with our eight scores that we received from the audience that averages out to an audience score for this episode of 3.31, making it the audience's 52nd ranked episode. And if we take that and average it together with Alex's two and my three and a half, that gives us an overall average grade of 2.94, which also is the 52nd ranked episode overall. Um, so yeah, um, you know, kind of like a bottom third episode or so, um, certainly not doing much to reverse the trend of the last, uh, few weeks where we're still, uh, struggling to get out of the middle of the pack here with, uh, season eight, but hopefully, uh, the last few episodes of the season will, uh, raise the overall season score. All right. Well, next week we have car periscope, Larry and Jeff will weigh in investment opportunity. Larry will have a, a unique way of judging someone's character. Uh, Wanda Sykes, the aforementioned Wanda Sykes, uh, will uh, come back. She uh, she will visit us in New York as well. 
I'm very excited. I think Wanda lives in New York in real life. So I wonder if uh, that made it more convenient for her for filming. Um, although, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where she was living at the time. And, but um, yeah, so we are. Uh, and then after that, we come. We uh, Next week's episode is will be episode eight. And then episodes nine and ten are or we end the season on, on two very, very strong notes. So wrapping up season eight with fire as we enter September and then uh, as we enter our um, our room spring until we uh, hit season 11 uh, later in October with uh, real episodes of Kurt. But uh, I'm very excited, very excited for some of the guests we have coming up and including a, a personal friend will be a guest on next week's episode. Not not a uh, not someone who appears in the episode as far as I know. As we know, we'll check the IMDb to confirm. Oh, yes, to confirm it. Yes. But uh, uh, he will be with us next week and uh, hopefully it will be. Pretty, pretty, pretty.